drugs. Gary Payton, I can't hit unless I got a glove. Taxing nigga for a verse, I ain't showing love. A lot of pounds sitting out, you can't get enough. Fucking on this bitch for years, she can't get enough. Eating with my foreign bitch, got me trying to fuck this. Big built bitch, she my third down back. Put a cap by your name in my contact. XD Springfield, that bitch combat. Which bitch want me more? It's a contest. Yo nigga broke on the couch doing job back. Brought my own number for the game, I'm the Mark Bobby Brown with the fall, get your car crashed. We the new bad boy pictures, bitch, we all had. Fuck around, made 50k on accident. Said the right thing, she gave her purse to me, ain't asked the bitch. Met a plug in Arizona, don't tax the shit. So when I say I'm learning AZ, it ain't the alphabet. We are back, it's officially episode 39 of Keeping It 200. Myself, Tavon Jameson, back again. Of course, yes, yes. got a lot to get into. Uh, yep. How about this year, though? Uh, Javon, I know that you were uh, doing a, another show earlier. Um, ah, that yeah. With uh, oh, Ryan nice. on, yeah, yeah, with Ryan on um, on the AEW, and um, mm-hmm. I see, I see you already uh, watched AEW. Um, um, and did you see the Great American Bash last night? Yes, I did. All right, uh, I definitely, um, I definitely think both Tuesday and Wednesday night shows this week were very, very good, very, very good. Um, um, I thought NXT was better though than AEW this week. You know, um, not trying to pick no fights or nothing, but you know, that's just my two cents. Of course, we've got a lot to get into today as well. Um, we've had NBA, we've had some NFL stuff happen, but of course, we can't go any more further without mentioning Christopher. Um, what is it? Christopher Emmanuel Paul, 36 years old, the Winston Salem North Carolinian. Had did everything. 11-time NBA All-Star. All-Star MVP. First team. Second team. Third team. All defense. All defensive. Second team. Rookie of the year. Consensus. All-American in college. First team. All its ACC. And was named North Carolina Mr. Basketball in 2003. Chris Paul did everything except play in an NBA Finals game. And he achieved that dream. Literally last night when the Phoenix Suns were able to win that game. In game one, um, on, at home, they literally won 118-105. Chris Paul, 12-19, 32 points, 4-7 from 3. Uh, Phoenix basically broke this game out in the third quarter. Chris Paul had Bobby Portis all in this game. This was this was literally the Phoenix Suns' big victory. This is the Phoenix Suns' first NBA Finals victory since 1993 in a home game. The last team that they beat in 1993 in a home game was the Chicago Bulls, Michael Jordan. So, Tavon, I've got to ask you, what was your thoughts last night when you saw this NBA game? Uh, it was, yeah, not going to lie. The beginning of the game, it pretty much was lopsided. The, the Suns pretty much were always in the lead. And then it got competitive. At the end, with but the Suns, they still kept that lead. And I just have to say, I mean, the Suns did really well in this game. Chris Paul, his first ever finals performance. That was a great performance by him. And, uh, yeah, Phoenix wins game one, which means they're pretty much three wins away from a championship. They are, and Chris Paul could be winning his first NBA championship this year. He's 36. He is going to be a free agent after this offseason. He's even 
it's been reports that have been cleared that he will not be uh, resigning an, an extension. He um, or, or taking or going in on his player option. He wants an extension contract. Giannis Antetokounmpo did play this game. He looked healthy. Six of eleven. 7 of 12 from the free throw line, 20 points, 17 rebounds, 4 assists, 1 block, 2 steals. And in tw- 35 minutes of action, you had Chris Middleton. He was 12 of 26, 5 of 12, 29 points, 7 rebounds, 4 assists. Drew Holiday, 4 of 14, 10 points, 9 assists, 7 rebounds, close to a triple-double. Um, even P.J. Tucker had a good game um, with seven points starting. Um, but this, but and then you look at Devin Booker. He didn't have a good night. He was eight of twenty-one, one of eight from three, twenty-seven points. You had DeAndre oh, eight, eight of ten, twenty-two points, nineteen rebounds. You had Mikael Bridges fourteen points, one rebound and an assist. Cameron Pan came off the bench four of eight, ten points on two of five, and Cameron Johnson off the bench three of six, two of four from three with ten points. Phoenix did shoot the ball. Better only by one percent, forty six point four percent to forty six point six percent to the forty five point five percent that Milwaukee shot. Uh, Milwaukee did have more threes; they were sixteen of thirty six, forty four percent. But Phoenix was eleven of thirty fourth on thirty two percent from three. Phoenix did break out in the in the third quarter, like I mentioned. The first half was close. A third quarter, thirty five twenty seven, Phoenix got it, and then the Bucks did win the fourth quarter with the twenty nine twenty six, but. Phoenix was up by 20 at one point. There were seven lead changes, four ties. Uh, the Bucks only led by three at the most in this game. Phoenix did shoot the ball better in the paint, um, 22 of 34 compared to the 21 of 41 from Milwaukee. Phoenix did have more points in the paint, only by two, 44 to 42. And now, you know, we're getting ready to now go to game two tomorrow night, which will take us to our next um, conclusion that keeping it 200 will be live tomorrow night after the NBA Finals Game 2, seeing that there's no more wrestling on or anything like that for the rest of this week that we're really into, except NXT UK, which comes on very, very earlier in the day. Uh, Phoenix Suns, though, they are favored to win this game by six or more. The Milwaukee Bucks in the point spread are either they need to lose by five or less or just win the game outright. So I've got to ask you, Tavon, who do you think is taking Game 2? Do you think the Phoenix Suns can go up 2-0, or do you think... The Milwaukee Bucks are coming back and tying this series up at 1-1 before they head to Milwaukee. The way the Phoenix Suns have been pretty much been playing, I say the Phoenix Suns take game two. Uh, I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go opposite. I'm going to say the Milwaukee Bucks do win game two. I just got that feeling. I don't, I don't think that the – when the Suns play game twos, they, they struggle. They really do struggle in the game two. The only game two they've not struggled in was the Denver one. But everyone else, uh, when, they, when they came to the Lakers in game two, they sh- they could not win. When it came to game two, literally um, right in right in L.A., they um, or well at home against the Clippers, they barely beat the Clippers. It took a DeAndre Ayton buzzer beater to do that. So I'm I'm not going to buy into that yet. I'm going to say Milwaukee Bucks take game two. Bucks always do play better in Game Two for some reason, believe it or not, except the one series against Brooklyn. But when it came to Miami, they played way better in Game Two in the first round. Brooklyn, no, they did not. But um, in the Eastern Conference Finals, they did play better and they won that. So they're two and ones in Game Twos straight up. So I've got the books in that. Um, how about this here though? Now we go from um, some other NBA news here. 
Of course, uh, the Phoenix Suns for Dario Saric last night tore his ACL in game one early in the first half. So uh, we keep it at 200. Want to wish Dario Saric a speedy, healthy recovery. Um, tough news. Tough news for Saric. Saric, you know, towards ACL, um, not a good look. Not a good look. Um, but hopefully he gets better and healthy. Uh, breaking news right now, keeping it 200. Congratulations to the Tampa Bay Lightning. They win their second straight Stanley Cup this past year. They won one nothing over the Montreal Canadiens. 4-1 it took in a five-game series. Um, the, Tampa Bay Buc- the Tampa Bay Lightning are raising up the Stanley Cup once again. They're back-to-back yeah. champions. Um, congratulations to them. Uh, big congratulations are in order. You know, um, Andre Baskalevsky was definitely the was definitely in my opinion the 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 MVP of that team. You know, um, I, I can't say who else was like really the MVP because I because of course I'm not a fan of the Lightning because of course the Lightning eliminated my Carolina Hurricanes. But Andre Baskalevsky was the big talked about goalie and more than likely is going to hold up the Connie Smythe trophy. If you don't know what that means, um, Tavon, that means the world heavyweight championship or MVP in Ah. um, other sports. So yeah, they they just name it that everybody's got their own little names. You know, in college basketball, you know what you get when you win the MVP, right? They call it the mop award. They call it most outstanding player. Mm. So, so definitely, um, in some team USA news, Jason Tatum, Said that he will be um, saying says he's honored to wear Kobe Bryant's number ten jersey for Team USA, and doesn't plan on taking it lightly. Um, Jason Tatum said, "With this being the first Olympics since we've lost um, him, it holds that much more value. Is something that I'm not taking lightly." Tatum will be wearing the number ten USA um, jersey. Of course, the number ten jersey was worn by Kobe Bryant in the 2008 um, USA Redeem Team and the 2012 USA Team. And he also um, – so definitely some good stuff right there. Jason Tatum, of course, is a big Kobe fan. Um, literally, Kobe is his childhood hero. And I actually believe he's going to represent that team to the best of its um, degrees and everything like that. And I think that that's the perfect guy to take the number 10 jersey. I'm not mad at that. Um, I know there's going to be some people, Tavon, though, that are not happy about this because they want the number 10 jersey to be retired. And, and, and I do have to agree on them for that matter, though, for that reason, because I know that in the NBA they retired the 8 and 24 jerseys that no one can wear in the NBA um, because of the Kobe Bryant thing. But there are people that, you know, will wear the 28 jersey, you know, to represent the two of Kobe Bryant's daughter, Gianna, and the 8 mm. for Kobe. But, um, but, but do you think that the USA should retire the 10 jersey, or do you think – they should retire it, but let guys like Jason Tatum wear it if if they are if they were truly a big Kobe fan. I think I think um, I think they'll I think Team USA should let um, Jason Tatum pretty much have that number if knowing that he's a big fan of Kobe because um, yeah he he's a uh, Yeah, I like the um, confidence. Obviously, Jason Tatum, knowing that Team USA lost the last time, it was pretty much bad, but also a bit embarrassing. And knowing that when it comes to 
always being put back down when when it comes to Kobe Bryant. Whenever he gets brought back down, he go, goes back up. So Jason Tatum, he's pretty much representing Kobe in a way that pretty much Kobe would do himself. Exactly. I I, I agree. Um, and, 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 you know, Jason Tatum, you know, I know that he's going to do that jersey number proud. And, of course, you know, the best way you do it proud is win the gold medal. That's the best thing to do, just win the gold medal. Uh, Minnesota mm-hmm. Timberwolves guard, though, in the USA, though, um, Anthony Edwards has suffered a sprained ankle while playing for the USA Select team in Las Vegas. Um, this injury isn't believed to be serious, but it will keep Edwards out of the rest of the camp. It occurred during a scrimmage when um, Edwards stepped on um, Team USA's Draymond Green's foot. Um, of course, more than likely, Ed- Anthony Edwards, in this Team USA select team they, that they have, these are for alternates, and more than likely, Anthony Edwards will not will more than likely not be able to be an alternate um, due to suffering the ankle injury. Um Milwaukee Bucks Mike, uh, coach Mike Budenholzer called disparity in the free throws during the game one of the NBA Finals. Of course, if you haven't been noticing, uh, ladies and gentlemen, that every place now is literally just making fun of Giannis' free throw sh- attempt shooting. Of course, Giannis, it, from the memes on Twitter to everything, Giannis, of course, has a very slow release. And the fans are counting to 10 because if, they go, because if it goes over 10 seconds – then that's a 10-second free-throw violation, which means that he's not supposed to be shooting, and he missed just a opportunity, and that counts as a missed free-throw. So, of course, Mike Budenhoser, um said that it's frustrating. Um, and, and, of course, he and a reporter, and then he asked the reporter, he said, you're trying to bait me? Budenhoser said with a smile about that. Um, and he can't remember the last time a team got 25 free-throws in a game against the Bucks. Um I gotta ask you this here though, Tavon. I mean, you, I mean, you see that the you know everyone's making fun of the Giannis free throw shooting. Right now, do you think that it's going to get to Giannis and the Bucks, or do you think the Bucks are you know just letting this stuff get to their head a little too much? Yeah, I think Giannis and Milwaukee are letting this <laughs> letting the crowd get to their head too much. I mean, <laughs> I mean the crowd. They're basically counting the number of seconds Giannis is at the free throw line like most wrestling crowds counting the number of punches that a wrestler makes to another wrestler exactly. <laughs> on the turnbuckle corner. <laughs> exactly. I, I, I agree. I, I don't think that he needs to let him get – I don't think Giannis needs to get that disparage. Giannis is making free throws better than Ben Simmons, you know, Um and, and I don't think I don't think he just needs to let that stuff get to him. You know, um, it's going. You know, and you know, uh, it's going to get to him the next game. But at least you know, games three and four, they are at home, so that it will be more more better to be at home and not have to deal with it as much. Um, of course, uh, you know, focus on winning the NBA title with the Phoenix Suns. Devin Booker is determined to join the USA um, team, USA as well, and will be there soon. Um, in this quote. Um, of course, you know, should the Suns win three more games against the Milwaukee Bucks and just sweep them, Devin Booker won't be going to Disney World to celebrate because he will be flying halfway around the world to join Team USA to play more basketball at the Tokyo Olympics. 
Um, Booker confirmed Wednesday that should the NBA Finals, you know, you know, you know, and Booker does want to play. You know, of course, um, the first available flight upon the compilation of the series is set to be July 25th in Japan, where they would be taking on France in the first game. Um, so of course, you know, he's so literally next smoking, I'll be next plane smoking. I'll be there. Devin Booker said, um, Booker's also quoted, you know, I'll be there, but obviously not my main focus right now. I've reached out to coach Greg Popovich. I reached out to Jerry um, Colangelo that just recently and told them that I saw all the guys reported to Vegas and any other place I would rather be is on the finals, but I'd love to be there with the guys and I'll be there soon. So I've got a question to ask you, though, Tavon. Booker is 24 years old, you know, but this is a guy that's getting right. This is a guy that's playing in the NBA Finals still. There's no guarantee that the Suns are sweeping the Bucks by any means necessary. But when you hear that Devin Booker still wants to play, and Devin Booker has has had a broken nose, which he suffered in Game One of the Western Conference Finals. Where he hasn't had to get nasal surgery and he and he only had to play with the mask only two times. I mean, you hear that? Are you concerned maybe about the, you know, the stamina and exhaustion that he's going to be going through? Because because if he does this, there's not going to be an off season for him. Mm, I'm a little bit concerned. He probably should get the surgery at least before he goes to the Olympics. Agreed. Um, and, you know, to me, Devin Booker, you know, I, I mean, I know he's young and stuff, but if you win or lose this NBA Finals, I just don't feel like he needs to get right back out there on the road and then travel halfway across the country where there's really no big safety marks that I've seen. So... I, I am very concerned about. I'm very concerned more about his exhaustion that he's going to be because because he's 24 and and you know he's been playing all these games. Of course, Phoenix has had a lot more rest than a lot of NBA teams because they've beaten teams quicker. But still, you th- that's still a lot of exhaustion. Um, of course, uh, by the way, in the NHL, Andre Vasilevsky, the goalie for the Tampa Bay Lightning, did win the 2021 Connie Smythe Trophy. So he is the NHL Stanley Cup or playoffs MVP, as, as you like to call it. So congratulations to Andre Vasilevsky of the Tampa Bay Lightning. Um, definitely giving his props right there. Um, optimistic Adam Silver after the NBA weathered a shortened um, schedule. Looks forward to a season that should be a lot more like normal. Of course, uh, the NBA commissioner um, did talk Tuesday before the NBA Finals um, Game 1. And this is what um, Silver was quoted. He said, we did somewhat better than what we initially projected. Um, He said, "Um, we don't have the exact numbers yet, but maybe we'll be down uh, roughly a third in revenue, something around there, instead of 40%, which is very good. Silver added that while the burden for those losses will be shared by both franchise owners and players because of the way the league splits um, basketball-related income, he was hopeful if things continue on track, we could move towards a season next year that will be a lot more like normal and will have weathered the pandemic very well. Um, of course, as he does, and of course, you know, th- there was more questions asked uh, whether the Toronto Raptors will be playing in Canada next year. 
and process or lack of thereof in creativity, more diversity in the NBA's coaching and front office ranks. Of course, if you don't know what diversity means, hiring more people that are not white and, you know, African-Americans, okay. Hispanics, etc. Um, Silver said that he keeps um, – that, that keeping players on the floor – uh, is a paramount importance, and then he had no doubt this year's um, condensed schedule, adi- additional health, and safety protocols, and other challenges contribute to injuries. But Silver said none of that is an exact science. Um, for ex- and for example, Silver noted resting was up 100% this year from the previous year, but injuries still went up. Um, Silver said this quote, the issue is we're trying to get to the root of it. Does resting work, frankly? Does load management work? Silver said, what's most surprising, as I said, it's just not about injuries up this season. We have seen the upward trends for several seasons. You like to believe with this investment, the level of sophistication, the number of doctors, the amount of analysts that we look, the data that we collect, that we couldn't in the old days, that putting the pandemic aside, we would have seen improvements, and we haven't seen that yet. Um, to me... This sounds like a WWE conference call, in good and bad, because no offense. <laughs> kind of. I, I mean, I, I mean, no offense. I mean, but I mean, you're saying, well, does load management work? Does resting work? Like, you know, just admit that this came because you gave the NBA players a very shortened off season. Like guys like LeBron James, Anthony Davis, Jimmy Butler had the shortest amount of offseason compared to other teams like the Golden State Warriors and the Memphis Grizzlies. And to me, I, I feel that's very, very um, – I, I didn't like that. I don't like that for a lot of reasons, um, what Adam Silver was saying in some of these quotes. You know, because for one, because one, like you're worried about business being down forty percent. The reason business is down forty percent is because your star players are injured, and if your star players are injured, there's no way that you're going to be able to be able to take care of this team. Of course, bringing Jacob on, Jacob, how's it going, man? Be able to- What's up? Good. How are you? So good. Uh, but Tavon, what is your thoughts on when Adam Silver said these comments about worrying more about? You know, selling tickets being down forty percent than injuries and making up some excuses. Ooh, yeah, it's a bit, it's a bit, um, yeah, it's a bit confusing. I mean, not gonna lie, I would expect more from Adam Silver when it comes to this, but yeah, but of all honesty, I mean, it kind of brings you back to um David Stern if you think about it. <laughs> It really does. I mean, I think that we took David Stern for granted too much in the NBA as a commissioner because, I mean, Adam Silver has done some good things as a commissioner. I'm not going to doubt that. And yeah, Adam he has. has. And Adam Silver did say last night that the yeah. NBA play-in tournament would be continuing. Of course, Adam Silver is also hoping to bring in an in-season tournament where teams like the Charlotte Hornets – um, Detroit Pistons and other small markets can maybe have a chance to win it. It's a 30-team, you know, in regular season tournament where someone can actually be an in regular season champion. And those are good ideas too. And then don't forget, he had a good idea with the All Star format. But overall, I mean, hopefully we get back to a normal NBA season. I don't feel that we're back to a normal NBA season next year because one, you still got the Team USA stuff. And there's gonna and Kevin Durant, James Harden, and these guys are not gonna be healthy at the start of the season. I, I like you can lie to me all you want, people, but you need rest. You need hey, to rehab injuries. K- 
Kevin Durant was playing 50 minutes a, a night versus the Bucks. He played 55 in the Game 7. There's no way that these guys are healthy. James Harden had a bad hamstring injury too. There's no way that, that we're saying these guys are just healthy off the bat. Jacob, I, I want to ask you this here. I mean, you hear Adam Silver say comments of that he doesn't know if load management and other things work for injuries because he says injuries keep going up every year. Do you feel this is a BS comment or do you feel that this actually is true? Uh, I don't know. I, I, maybe it's a BS comment. I have no idea to be honest with you. Well, of course, um, in the Euro 2021, um, me and Tavon have actually been right about this here. Tavon, you did say England was going to beat Denmark. They did 2-1. Barely, though, uh. um, due to some controversial BS... Uh, I, I will say that I will say that the video footage kind of didn't look good in England's favor. But of course, Italy won on Tuesday. They won. Uh, they won after a penalty kick um, with a four-two. So you know, Italy escaped Spain. So of course, we've got Sunday, three p.m. It's the Euro twenty twenty. It's one game that you got to predict. It's not. This is it officially. Italy's plus two hundred. The draw is plus 265 or 205 if it goes over 90 minutes, and it's a plus 165 for England. So, Tavon, England has not been in this finals since 1966. Last time they were there, the Beatles were actually existing. And so, so um, I've still got Italy. I said Italy was going to make it to the finals, and I said Italy was going to win from the jump. What about you, Tavon? Do you believe that it's England's time now or no? Well, I'll agree with what you said. I think Italy might just go to the finals. Uh, um, yeah, yeah. Well, this, well, this is for the championship. So, oh, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, Italy will win. Yeah, uh, I, yeah, I still got Italy winning. That they barely beat Denmark. I was close on the tie today, but but you did say England was going to win, and I, I definitely got to give you credit right there. Um, of course. Sunday, or we're so, sorry, Saturday night, 10 p.m. at the T-Mobile Arena. It's 17,500 people sold out. It is the UFC 264 show. Main event features Dustin the Diamond Portier. He takes on Connor the Notorious McGregor for the third time ever. If you don't know this storyline, it's the easiest one to follow. 2014, a young up-and-coming Connor McGregor on fight night beat Dustin the Diamond Portier to then um, break out as the star. Of course, what happened right after, um, Dustin Portier literally just um, last year, or, or sorry, at the beginning of this year, he beat Conor McGregor in um, Fight Island. And now we are back for the third time, um, Portier, McGregor, three. Here's the thing about Conor McGregor, though, Tavon, and, and I'm going to tell you why I'm going with Dustin the Diamond Portier. Um, of course, betting line favorites do have Portier as a minus one thirty favorite, Connor is a plus one ten. Connor, the last time he was an underdog for a fight, you have to go all the way back to when Barack Obama was president. That's all the way <laughs> wow. back in twenty fifteen. He hasn't been an underdog in over six years in a in a main event fight. And Conor McGregor has not won two fights straight since Barack Obama was president. That was twenty sixteen. Conor McGregor is not even top five as pound for pound. The last time McGregor was a pound for pound top five, that was three years ago. So to me, I feel like 
this is the end of Connor as we know it. It truly is. Um, and I feel like Dustin is going to win. Of course, the winner of this fight, ladies and gentlemen, is going to be the number one contender to the light heavyweight championship that is held by Charles Oliveira. It's just obvious because Dustin deserved the title fight, but he was not given it. He was given Connor instead. The reason why being people will say, well, why was he awarded a fight with Connor instead of a title fight? Simple. You make more money than you fight Conor McGregor because when Conor McGregor is on pay-per-views, Tavon, he does over yeah. 1 million buys. And Definitely. the last three Conor McGregor pay-per-views that he's done, 1.4 mil, 1.6 mil, 1.5 mil pay-per-view buys. So that is why you get a big royalty check when you face Conor in the main event, whether you win or lose. Um, but I've got Dustin in the main event. What about you? Um, yeah, sure. I'm gonna go with Dustin. Definitely, I, I you just just have to. Of course, in our co-main event, it's a welterweight bout. Gilbert Burns takes on Stephen Wonderboy Thompson. Of course, the number one contender in the um, welterweight is Colby Covington. Um, for better or worse, people, whether you like Colby Covington or not, he is the number one contender. The number one contender should technically be Leon Edwards, who has won 10 straight in the welterweight division, but he's not getting that opportunity. However, Gilbert Burns and Stephen Wonderboy Thompson, the winner of this, pretty much becomes the third um, runner-up. They're the bronze medalists in this welterweight to face Kamara Usman next. Um, to me, I, I say Gilbert Burns wins this, but but of course there are a lot of people that believe Stephen Wonderboy Thompson will win. Um and Stephen Wonderboy Thompson is the favorite. He's minus 155. Gilbert Burns is plus 135. The reason why Gilbert Burns is not the favorite is because he did face Kamara Usman at the end of last year. Um, and he did lose in the second round. But he did rock Kamara Usman in the first round. The problem was Gilbert Burns lost definitively. So that's what's made Gilbert Burns not look like a number one contender or even the third best ranked in this welterweight division, um, I gotta ask you this here, Stephen Wonderboy Thompson. Do you are you gonna take him as a favorite, or do you believe Gilbert Burns, you know, can win this as the underdog for you at plus one thirty five? Hmm. Don't necessarily know those guys, but I'll but sure I'll pick Stephen. Okay. Um, of course, uh, Gilbert Burns nineteen and four MMA record. Stephen Wonderboy Thompson sixteen four. Um, one no contest. Um, other fights that are going on in our five in the five fight main card. It will be Taya Tovitsky, who's twelve and three MMA record. He's taking on Greg Hardy seven three one no contest. And women's bantamweight, Irene Adana takes on Yana Kanitskaya. I love that name. Don't ask me why, but I love Yana Kanitskaya. Fourteen five one no contest. I got Yana Kanitskaya winning. Um, I got Greg Hardy winning in a third-round decision. And in our bantamweight opener, it's Sugar Sean O'Malley, who literally looks like Bob Ross, literally. He's 13-1. and one. He's taking on Chris Mote. Um, Sugar Sean O'Malley, no question, is the favorite in that. So I'm definitely taking Sugar Sean for that. Um, preliminary cards, uh, nothing major. The uh, main event... Um, more than likely will be Nico Hybrid Vincent Price, which is what I give him for a nickname. 14-4-2, no contest. He takes on Michael Priera in the main event, I believe. Or it will either be Carlos Cardone taking on Max Griffin. 
and that will be in the preliminary cards you can check out for free on ESPN at 8 p.m. That is um, free. And if you want even more, you can literally check out the early prelims on the ESPN Plus. The um, ESPN Plus at 6 p.m. will have four fights for you um, with the main event um, in the women's flyweight on the ESPN early prelims. You can get Jennifer Maya versus Jessica I in a women's flyweight battle. So, and Jennifer Maya did take on um, Valentina Shushenko and did win one round against Valentina Shushenko, the bullet, um, in a women's um, championship match. So, um, of course, she didn't win it, but she did win one round. So, you know, um, some good stuff to check out, though, if, you, if you're in that stuff. Now we got to get into some WWE stuff, Tavon. Um, it's never good to talk about bad things in wrestling, but I feel like we've got more bad news than good news outside of the two shows. Yeah, pretty much. Um, of course we need to talk about the obvious thing. Jimmy Uso arrested on a misdemeanor DUI charge. This is his fifth charge in the last six years. He tested over a 2.05 on a breathalyzer. When in Florida, the um, breathalyzer is supposed to be 0.08. So Jimmy Uso, way over the limit. This happened in his home in Pensacola, Florida. Uh, Jimmy Uso, um, this is how the arrest went. He was released um, at jail at 9 a.m. East. His bond was set for only $500. Um, at the time of the post, WWE has not responded to a request for comment. Um, TMZ was first to report this on Tuesday morning that the 35-year-old was pulled over in Pensacola, Florida. He was going 50 miles in the 35-hour um, uh, zone in his Dodge Charger. Um, after questioning um, Uso and smelling Uso and uh, smelling alcohol, they asked him to exit the video where they um, exit the vehicle. I don't know why I said video um, where they observed him um, swaying. He then failed a sobriety. He did failed several sobriety tests, so he was given several of them. And, of course, he was – and this is not his only arrest. He, he was um, arrested in 2019 back in July for the same incident. However, he pled not guilty and was um, – and he did not get any time for this. Um, but this is – you know, it's happened before. It's even happened with his brother uh, th- two or three times. I got to ask you this question, Tavon. Um, do you think this hurts Jimmy Uso on TV for his character or do you think – WWE is just going to ignore this and try to sweep this under the rug. <sighs> okay. Knowing that this is pretty much the fourth, well, fifth time that this happened, um, it's kind of a problem. Um, it's one of those things where Jimmy Uso, for some reason um yeah it's just one of those things where i just have to say that man i i just can't really relate that much because i don't i don't necessarily drink alcohol but i can i can i can get it it can be pretty tough to pretty much handle that but yeah hopefully jay uso i mean jimmy uso pretty much Get some help. I think WWE. Well, I, I it would hurt. I mean, this would probably hurt Jimmy, like moderately. But like, well, 
will we definitely kind of remember this? Probably not, but like, but yeah, WWE, they'll probably just try to sweep this under the rug. I have a feeling they're going to sweep it under the rug publicly, but I feel like on TV they're getting ready to either bury this guy or they're going to make mention of this guy's drinking because, case in point, Tavon, they've done this to Jeff Hardy now three times. Remember Jeff Hardy in 2009? CM Punk, Sheamus last year. Yep, Samoa Joe. Ah. Yep, so... And remember in 2017, Jimmy and Jey Uso were then... Um, John Cena on a episode oh, that of Monday was Night Raw 2019 um, <laughs> Raw reunion. Yeah, exactly. Made fun of the Usos drinking as well, and it's to me. I, I just got this feeling WWE is going to do this. You know, I feel like they're going to make fun of him on TV for this, or they or they're going to bury him or something because um, I, I do feel like Jimmy Uso does need the help if he wants it, or he needs an intervention if he's already. I don't know if he's gotten it or not. But he, this is looking like a slippery slope. It really is. Um, you know, luckily, he wasn't going that fast. Hope, luckily, there was no one really on the road that night. You know, luckily, he got stopped um, before he did any real damage. But um, five times, six years, too much of a problem to me. Um you know, I, I, I say you got to hit him where it hurts the most. Take him off TV. Suspend him. Find him. Do something. Hurt his wallet. That's the best way you can teach people a lesson. And if you can't teach them that lesson, then then, then maybe you might have to release him. Or maybe you might have to tell them you got to go to rehabilitation center. Two, then, you know. So you don't know. Yeah. Um, of course, other um, sad news. Terry Funk is receiving additional... Um, residential care for multiple health issues um of course wwe you know posted a statement um hoping that terry funk gets well and more and um it's it's some sad news you know the 77 year old you know just celebrated his birthday he survived a battle with COVID this past spring um terry funk you know known to people as a hardcore legend like mick foley but also you know for people over 50 of the Dave Meltzer crowd, you know, known as a very good technical wrestler right there with Ric Flair in the eighties and nineties. Um, you know, so definitely wishing Terry Funk good health as well. Mm-hmm. Um, um, very, 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 very tough. Um, so then of course, um, we've got some other news here. Uh, AEW's Tony Khan has said that there will be a second barbed wire death match. He did say this in a Tuesday interview with Dan um, Lebedard, um to promote Wednesday's Dynamite. Of course, Tony Khan um, did say that he also discussed the failure for the first time and his displeasure in it. For something um, he didn't do at the post-AEW um, Revolution show press conference, um, Khan blamed the failure on using professional pyro personnel who didn't understand wrestling, but he was trying to be too safe. Um, Khan said they totally shit the bed. Khan um, added that he didn't pay the um, unnamed um, company who refunded the $100,000 for the expense of the match. Khan didn't clarify what the alternative was to use um, to using a professional company to handle such things in the future, but wants someone that knows wrestling 
Tony Khan um, said this last quote here. He said they screwed up royalty. Um, all they had to do was set it off the final explosion again. It's because we had to use professional um, protected people, pyrotechnic people. And, you know, Tony Khan said that the reason he's going to do it again is because it did draw, and it technically did do AEW's best pay-per-view ever. Um, what about you? Do you think AEW should do a second barbed wire death match, or do you think this should just be one and done? They should... They should, um... They should give it one more try. I mean, the first one, yeah, it was the first time. It was this one slip-up that happened in the main event. So... Yeah, it wouldn't hurt to try again. Uh, I feel like they should just quit it. Um, don't don't overexceed this. You know, it, you, you did the first time and it worked, but I don't think it would work the second time to me. You know, and even if it does, I, I I'm not a fan of the barbed wire death match stuff because I feel like only certain people can work this, and I just don't feel like it can just be with anybody. Um. Of course, Tegan Knox did take on Tony Storm in the um, pre-show of Raw, but it, this will not be airing on main event this week. Um, for main event, Jeff Hardy takes on Veer, and Angel Garza takes on Shelton Benjamin. Um, so so the Tegan Knox-Tony Storm match will not be airing on um, the main event show. Wow. Of course, uh, Tegan Knox did return to NXT um, Tuesday night for the Great American Bash. So that is um, where the battery was. I didn't think it was going to be her. Even Marie spoke to Bleach Report about her WWE return. She mentioned that after being signed back in October, there were times where she was slated to come up prior to vignettes airing in May. Um, she said there was um, so many things where creativity story-wise, there were so many things where she was going to come back before WrestleMania and then the night after WrestleMania. And she was quoted saying timing isn't everything. Uh, she said timing is everything and just... Making sure it made sense. Um, right now, Tavon, I gotta ask you: Do you think Eva Marie should have been back for WrestleMania or the night after WrestleMania? Or do you think that they brought her in at the right time? They pretty much brought her in in the right time, albeit when it comes to her debuting back in the wing, they probably should have waited. I agree. I, th I think they actually brought her back too early. I think they should have brought her back a month before SummerSlam. That yeah, because be I was thinking she was going to be back the wall with 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 the fans back. That's what I was thinking. But they did it. They they pretty much did it pretty much earlier than that. And I was like, oh, I was shocked. I thought they were going to save this for the wall with the fans back because, I mean... The way they were hyping her up with the vignettes, I mean, I I get it. I know Eva Marie hasn't has yet to prove pretty much her skills, but I I mean, hey, even I was pretty much hyped, you know. I, I agree. Uh, I think Eva Marie is a really good talent on the mic. It's just it's just you know we're not gonna see what she truly is like wrestling till she has a singles match, and I can't judge her till she has a singles match. So so the jury's still out on this to me. I, I don't feel like you can judge an Eva Marie match just yet because all they do right now is just tell you that she's not going to work matches, and they have Piper Nivik doing all the work. Um, of course, on the all-night-long podcast, the former Killian Dane revealed that he and Drake Maverick tested positive for COVID during their run as a tag team, causing himself, his wife Nikki Cross, 
um, Drake Maverick and his wife renamed Michelle, Drake Maverick's wife, to all isolate and quarantine for two weeks. Killian Dame said there was a period where they were supposed to do something with the Undisputed Era. He said we did one little thing with them, and then boom, we had COVID. And um, Killian Dame said that he didn't have symptoms. Um, Nikki Cross didn't have any symptoms. Uh, Drake Maverick um, did. Um, and uh, Nikki Cross did not get COVID. Um, Drake Maverick's wife did not get COVID, but Drake Maverick did have some symptoms. Um, but all of them had to isolate for two weeks, so that is the reason why. Um, I guess, and this happened early though. This was like early last year. So, um, regarding trademarks, Matt Cardona, the former Zack Ryder in WWE, has filed the tr- to trademark Major Bendy's Ruby Riot, who is now going to go under the name Ruby Soho, has filed the trademark <laughs> the Runaway. The former Vanessa Bourne has trademarked the Fetish and Lady Frost. Will be her new <laughs> the name. It looks that's like Vanessa Bourne is about to be pretty much the next coming of Kelly Kelly, I guess. She could, but you, but you know, but to me, I want to know if Vanessa Bourne is going to actually work shows like this because because I don't feel like she would only work like AEW. I don't feel like Vanessa Bourne to me like the Daniela Camilla. You know, I don't feel like she. You know, I, I mean, she might do independent shows, but I just don't see that. I see her. I see her only going to like AEW or Impact, or 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 she could be going to MLW. You know, MLW. You know, did hire someone today to start. You know, um, spear marking their women's division. So, I mean, good luck to all of them, though. Good luck to all of them and their trademarks um, and everything like that. Of course, um, some other WWE news. This is actually different, though. It, it actually has to relate with UFC as well. Um, records reveal CM Punk's UFC 225 loss was changed to a no contest. Um, here's the reason why. This was reported by MMA Junkie, and it was revealed in a, a shocking weird way Wednesday that Mike Jansen was quietly changed to a no contest due to Jackson testing positive for marijuana. Wow. Now, now, here's what, now here's what happens. The MMA Junkie attained the information via a Freedom of Information Act request followed by confirmation by the Illinois Department of Finance and Professional Regulation. So, um, Jackson tested positive for terminal cannibalism due to marijuana on a fight night with the result officially overturned in uh, October of 2018. Jackson also got a three-month suspension, but it's unknown whether he was fined. The state has told fighters via a memo weeks in advance of the event that, um, that the state had... Uh, a strict no-tolerance policy for marijuana. Neither Punk nor Jackson have commented publicly about the news. Neither man has competed in an MMA fight since that night. So, so CM Punk is technically O and one with one no contest. Okay. Um, very weird to me. <laughs> That's very weird. Um, and then for some reason... You get this news about the CM Punk no contest, and you get this, and then we talked about marijuana. Well, the Nevada Commission has decided to no longer discipline fighters for marijuana use. So <laughs> I don't know what the hell is happening, but I think these states need to start figuring out what the hell is going on with marijuana use because, what like, the hell do they want? Well, well, well. Here's the thing: you got you got Nevada saying we're not going to suspend people because in Nevada, if you test positive for marijuana. Because I cover MMA. If you test positive for marijuana, you have to be suspended six months and you're fined five thousand um, dollars. That is what they. That's what the standard is. But this, on the other hand, is very weird because you've got the state of Chicago, Illinois, saying. 
that we're that we are going to punish you for marijuana. We don't care about what MMA says. And then you've got states like Washington, California that have legalized uh, medicinal marijuana. But you've got but so it's very weird right now what's going on. It's very weird what these states are doing. I don't know what these states are trying to do. I don't know, um, for example, what what is happening. So, um, but of course, um, it was ironically that two UFC fighters, um, Misha Karnitska and Gillian Robinson, were disciplined on Wednesday with the former getting a retroactive six-month suspension and a $4,000 fine, mm-hmm. and the latter earning a um, retroactive 4.5-month suspension and a $2,000 fine. Mm-hmm. This is what the um, Nevada State Athletic Commission will continue to test fighters through the end of 2021 for data purposes and will determine at the point whether to continue. Um, in January, USADA and the UFC removed discipline for marijuana use only issuing sanctions if a fighter was visibly under the influence on the, an event that night, which meaning that if, like, if you're the USADA or the UFC and you're drug testing, what they would do is if you were smoking marijuana but you're not high the night of the fight, you will not be suspended or in trouble. However, it's very weird complications right now. So if, if I'm an MMA fighter, the best thing to do is live out in California or live out in Washington – or live in a state that is not going to punish you harshly. That's where I would say. Um, mm-hmm. Because, but but I'm going to ask you this here, Tavon. Um The NFL does not test for medicinal marijuana no more, or marijuana in general, um, due to the new CBA bargaining agreement that they've had. And also, um, you know, the NBA did not test for marijuana neither this year due to the shortened season. So I've got to ask you this here. Do you think that WWE and in the in the NBA and the NFL, um, because even Major League Baseball doesn't even test for marijuana no more, do you think that the NBA, the NFL, and the WWE should follow in these footsteps and stop testing for marijuana, or do you think that it's going to come to that point where they're all going, where all these sports are going to stop testing for marijuana? Yeah, sure. They should probably following the footsteps i mean because i believe i believe i saw a report last year but it, it said something about 70 percent of of the of the wwe like woo smoking weed yeah I, I i would believe it i mean i i mean no i mean no offense i mean i understand why people do not like marijuana I, I understand for their reasons, but you have to understand from the reasons of professional athletes, or in this case, if you don't want to call WWE wrestlers athletes, call them stunt doubles, because no offense, they actually do take great stunts, and they can actually play stunt doubles in acting movies, if you if you don't like that. But here's the thing, um, and, and you got to make this, and, and you got to understand this here from the perspective of the marijuana issues. Like... Athletes need it because it helps them sleep better. They don't feel as much pain. Shane McMahon, for example, owns a marijuana company. He owns 51% (laughs) of a marijuana company, which is why he does those crazy high-flying moves and then comes out two nights later and starts dancing on a SmackDown. You know, I wouldn't be doing that shit. And and in WWE, if you're a part-time wrestler, you do not get drug tested because you're a part-time wrestler. It's the reason why Brock Lesnar... 
Paul Triple H Levesque, Shane McMahon, The Undertaker do not get tested for this. But you have to you have to think of the way of the athletes. You got to think of the way of the athletes and the professionals. I do feel like marijuana is going to be legalized in all 50 states in the next five to 10 years because you're going to make money off of it. Everyone wants to make money off something and everyone's going to make money off medicinal marijuana or marijuana in general, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, so, so I'm not as concerned. I'm not as concerned, but I do feel that all these places need to start doing it. I, if they don't, I feel that, it's very, very um, – you know, I understand crack and all this. That that stuff, I, I understand you don't legalize. But marijuana, if it's used for the right reasons and it is, and, it, and, and you do conduct studies, which, which this is what I would do if I'm the NBA and I'm the NFL and I'm and WWE. Because WWE is technically considered as a professional sport athlete. You know, they have all these sponsorships just like NASCAR and all – and the NHL and more. And to me, I would do a study test. You know, if they feel better, if you just do a study test for six months, if the if the athletes feel better about it and everything like that, or they vote upon it, and you get a good, whelming number, then I I would say you need to try it. You know, of course. Um, moving on to some other news, if you are a sixteen years, if you're over sixteen um, years of age, who are attending a SmackDown show at Madison Square Garden on Friday, September tenth, you will need to be fully vaccinated. Um, according to the Madison Square Garden website, um, will need to be fully vaccinated for COVID-19 and must provide proof of vaccination upon entry. So um, get vaccinated if you want to go to that SmackDown show in Madison Square Garden or don't. I, I don't really care. I'm just reporting news. Um, on the out of character on Fox News with Ryan Satin, AJ Styles discussed trading gloves with The Undertaker after their Boneyard match. AJ said, I, call, I called his wife Michelle McCool. And was like, what does he want? I need to get him something. She was like, give him your gloves. That would mean a lot to him. If you signed your gloves, Michelle hooked me up. Um, hopefully that was a gift he enjoyed. He actually sent his gloves to me with a very nice thank you letter. So, um, Tavon, what's your thoughts on The Undertaker just wanting just a pair of AJ Styles gloves? It's, it's kind of cool. It's kind of sweet knowing the the library that they um had last year for the build up to WrestleMania I mean that boneyard match I mean that was a really good match and for it being the first cinematic match well it wasn't necessarily the first cinematic match but the first cinematic cinematic match that everybody liked I mean mm-hmm. it was a really good match so I mean, hey, I mean, definitely uh, a good moment between um, both AJ and Undertaker. And yeah, Undertaker's pretty much going to cherish those gloves forever. Exactly. And I know AJ Styles is going to cherish the Undertaker's gloves forever because, you know, it's the Undertaker. I mean, I mean, this mm-hmm. is a guy that's I mean, that's actually a very sweet gesture. I like that. I actually like some good news like that. Um, the Rock. We all know who The Rock is, Tavon. We all know mm-hmm. who brought the XFL. Vince McMahon says XFL. Yeah, the XFL is playing. They should thank launch. him for that. He he saved XFL. Well, as a uh, news reported today, it is planning to relaunch in 2023. <laughs> after talks about collaborating with the CFL, the Canadian Football League, that's now officially going to be off the table now. 
So um, oh, the wow. XFL more so the XFL more than likely will just be like what it is. Then Vince McMahon had it still Dang. its separate entity. Um, of course, it is oh. owned by The Rock and his ex-wife Danny Garcia. So this is really weird. Of course, if you don't know who Danny Garcia is, she is also the daughter of Simone Johnson, mm-hmm. who is in WWE NXT's developmental. So, yeah, um, kind of be weird to own a professional football league with your ex-wife <laughs> and you're married to a new wife and you just had a kid less than five years ago with the new wife. Um, I don't know how I don't know how to explain that. Today is the 25th anniversary of the NWO forming at Bachelor Beach. 1996. So getting your anniversary out the way there. Uh, Kevin Nash mm-hmm. tweeted today, happy 25 years of setting the standard. Most importantly, happy 25th to the NWO Nation for being there the entire trip and passing it on to your family and children. One love, NWO for life. Wear your colors and show our numbers. Beautiful gesture. Beautiful gesture from Kevin Nash. Um, of course, other news getting into. Um, Britt Baker talked to um, told Talk Sport about Rebels dislocated knee from last week's Dynamite. Um, Britt Baker said the quote, I was kind of unaware what was going on in the ring. I had a lot going on too because I got power bombed through the table. So that was miserable. So we back, so we meet back up in the medical room and I was there after the table bump and she was there because her knee popped out. But as a team, we had a nice little squat in the back, got the knee popped right back in. That's disgusting. Uh, we had a nice little shot to celebrate. And, you know, Reb, uh, Reba is a trooper. She, she still calls her Reba. Uh, she's a badass. We hung out for the rest of the night, had a couple of drinks and some food. And, of course, she got some soreness and some swelling, this and that. But she's good to go. She's going to be fine. Um, I know what Britt Baker said, but Rebel is out for the next nine months at least with this dislocated knee. So, um um, of course, during an appearance on ad-free shows, um, if you don't know what ad-free shows is, they belong to Conrad Thompson, where he does the grilling JR, something to wrestle with with Bruce Pritchard, 83 weeks with Eric Bischoff, uh, what happened when with Tony Schiavone, um, Chelsea Green also has a show on adfreeshows.com, uh, um, what, um, can Chris Hero say pro wrestling, that's the former Cassius Ono, the Kurt Angle podcast. I'm literally naming off all, all these shows, and people are probably going to be like, what the hell is he talking about? Well, these are actually all legit podcast shows that Conrad Thompson does. But Mickey James was on there. She said she's working on a um, writing a book, and she said, I'm writing a book. It's, take, it's taking a while to write, and it's one of those things where I thought, I'm 40 now, and I'm halfway – I've only lived half of my life. I've got to um, – I got approached about a book when I first left WWE the first time. I felt like my career was not even close to being there. So there was so, um, so much left out of the story. For me, the story isn't just about wrestling. It's about life as a whole because I've been through some stuff, and it's more of the um, power of the journey. We'll get there. I have started. When I finish, I don't know. It's a big commitment. With the time that it takes, I would probably commit to one. We'll see how well it does, and then we'll talk about another. So, of course, if you don't know Tavon, Mickey James, she was in WWE. Mm-hmm. And she left WWE. She went to TNA. When she mm-hmm. went to TNA, she was also a country music singer. Mm-hmm. So that is um, a lot as well. People always think that Mickey James is just about wrestling, but Mickey James actually is a country music singer yeah, for real. She, she does country. Exactly. Um, she's also, I think, I think she's done shows with Garth Brooks or many others. You know, I don't really. Oh, know oh wasn't 
before she was in WWE the first time, wasn't she also in Wing of Honor? Um, I can check on the Wikipedia. Mickey. Because she, I did see a picture of her in CM Punk. Let me see here. Uh, she was in TNA in 2002. She was in Ring of Honor for one oh, year. She was in Impact before she was in WWE the first time. Yep, yep. She was also in Ohio Valley Wrestling, which is WWE, which was yeah. WWE's developmental name for two years. And then, of course, she then came onto the scene in WWE in 2005. Um, mm-hmm. She then returned back to the independent scene in 2010. And that's where she actually started her country music singing as well. So, so actually, Mickey James has actually done a lot as a yes. um, as a person. So, And I actually look forward to actually reading about the Mickey James book because I've actually met Mickey James before in real life. Oh, wow, you have? How I actually it? have. I actually have. And a uh, very nice woman um, and everything like that. And I and I definitely and I definitely would definitely buy that book, no question about it. I mean, I met Mickey James. I am taller than her, and I actually was taller oh, wow. than her by two inches when I met her. When I met her, this was 2011. Oh, I remember wow. this because this was Cam Newton's rookie year. So, so I knew this right off the top of my head because the NFL season had already ended, and I remember this personally because she was. I was already two inches taller than her, and and Mickey James actually offered me a beer. She actually did, oh, <laughs> but the problem was I'm underage, so I can't drink the damn beer. So, Dang. so um, I just told her I wasn't thirsty. I said, "Do you got a water though?" So she gave me a water, um, and then she and then we took a photo. Um, she also said I smelled nice. So so hey, I got a compliment. <laughs> from an actual beautiful woman and stuff, you know. I, I will, I will, I will say though. Well, you well that's know, cool. Exa- exactly. I, I'm not going to lie though. In the photo that we took together, one of my eyes. Okay, you know how Aleister Black eyes. You know, one eye is different from the other. Okay, in the photo, my eye is looking left. My other eye <laughs> is on my right side and it's straight. The left – you're probably wondering what's wrong with the left eye, okay? I'm going to fill you in on this. <laughs> I was looking at the cleavage because <laughs> it's course. literally right there. <laughs> I, I can't, I can't like, blame and, you. And, like, and, I can't blame and, you. Of course. Ex- exactly. <laughs> exactly. And she's literally like – she literally when – she, like, when she took this picture of me, she pulled me in tight because she actually smelled me. Because she smelled my shirt, and like I put on cologne that day, and I don't ever wear cologne. I really, I hardly ever wear cologne. I don't like it because I feel like if you put on so much, you start coughing for like ten minutes. Wow. So, so that was the reason why. But, but I was like, like man. Yeah, Mickey James. Yeah. She, she pretty much pulled you tight. I mean that. I mean, that's pretty much. <laughs> I mean, that's pretty much one of those things where you gotta. Pretty much pull tight too, you know. <laughs> exactly, exactly. But but it was like more shocking though because like I've never had like a professional woman in wrestling or or country music ever say, "Wow, this guy really smells nice," and offer me a beer and everything like that. Of course, of course, now people are probably going to be like, "Oh, she offered an underage kid a beer." Like, uh, come on, I, like th- the reason I'm telling this story now is because one, it w- happened literally nine years ago, so she ain't going to get in trouble in the other. But it's definitely <laughs> yeah, like you can't 
cancel Mickey James SJW exactly, exactly. You can't, Come on. Exactly. Especially over a nine year story, you know. And I didn't even take the beer. I took a glass of water. And and the and you and if you don't believe me, you can ask my actual mom because she was there with me. So it wasn't like <laughs> I was gonna be able to drink the damn thing right in front of her either. Because my mom would have never let me. But it was awesome to actually and and, and you know, and what's funny is she then took pictures with another guy. This guy was not fat. He wasn't fat. Like he's not like, an, like the fat wrestling guys. But <laughs> this guy was like, you know, he wasn't like skinny neither. And he had on a Mickey James shirt from TNA. This was like an actual <laughs> Mickey James impact shirt. Um, and she wouldn't even pull into him. She actually wanted him um, a back some. <laughs> That's what's so funny. So, so of course he saw me. Like, like I think like 20 minutes later and said, so you're the one that got to hug Mickey James. I'm like, well, she hugged me. Like, <laughs> so, so he got all mad, but, but, uh, I don't even know who he was, but, but whoever he is, like, you know, fuck you. <laughs> you just didn't smell good like me. Don't, don't, don't get mad because I had some game that day, man. No, <laughs> I'm not, I'm not mad about that. So, oh man. Raw Monday night though, on the July 5th show did one point. Four seven two million on the USA Network. That's down six point two percent from the previous week. This draws a record low viewership. Now, Tavon, it's the lowest record viewership yep. number since Raw has drawn since premiering in nineteen ninety three. A September nineteen ninety three Raw, like it's always with, been doing. Exactly, a Raw in September nineteen ninety three did one point one million, but the total viewership number isn't available. Um, this record low number came to, despite the fact there was no NBA playoffs on, but the NHL Stanley Cup Finals were on, and that averaged 2.56 million viewers, a very good number for the NHL, because here's the thing, Tavon, NHL numbers in the regular season at 10 p.m. did less than 350,000 total viewers. So doing a Game 4 when the Lightning were already up 3 nothing is very, very bad. The only relatively good news about Raw is 18-49, though, it was virtually the same as last week. It's a 0.41, which means that it's the third lowest 18 to 49 number of all time. So they didn't break the 18 to 49 number, but they did have the lowest viewership. Um, Tavon, then you look at Raw, and I look at Raw's. You know, they taped the show yesterday um, for the show to air Monday. I don't. I don't see Raw's number getting better this coming week. I don't see it better because it's already because because everyone knows it's a taped show. Um, what about you? Do, you? do you feel like the Raw number might go up next week, or do you think we're we're, we're still looking at the same numbers? Mm, pretty much about the same numbers. Yeah. I mean, Raw being taped. I mean, it already gives people pass not to watch it anyway. So. I mean, I can't, I can't blame them. I can't blame the viewers for not wanting to watch Raw because exactly. Raw has yet to be even considered good. True, true. Um, and the SmackDown number um, for the July Fourth weekend edition that aired Friday last week that did 1.861 million viewers on Fox. That's down 5.6 percent from last week. It's the lowest viewership for the show so far in 2021, but it's the second lowest viewership that SmackDown episode has ever drawn on Fox. That's beating the only episode from one year ago this past week. Um, both shows occurred on the 4th of July holiday weekend, which is the reason likely these numbers are low. But also, save on the reason this SmackDown number low is, to me, 
was, there was no Roman Reigns on the show. And this show was really so, like, outside of the Kevin Owens Sami Zayn match, I don't really feel like there was a reason to watch SmackDown Friday. You know, unless you wanted to see Edge, but Edge has not been proven a ratings draw still. Hmm? I said that, I said that, I said that the, um, I said, what did you think of the SmackDown show? Do you, uh, were you surprised that the rating was down, or, um, or still the, the same very low number? Um, I was kind of, uh, I was kind of shocked. I mean, I mean, I would expect SmackDown to go up, but hey, I guess it, I guess it stagnated. Yeah, definitely. Um, shout out to Brandon Thruston of WrestleNomics for the ratings and more. Um, if you want to follow him, just follow him at Brandon Thruston on Twitter. Um, I don't really get into ratings, but hey, you know, Brandon Thurston is kind of like the most accurate guy now for ratings, and you know, um, yeah, give credit to him. All right, Savon, we had two wrestling shows. Um, we're going to start with the Great American Bash this past Tuesday, and then, of course, we'll get into some more sports stuff and then um, review episode four of WandaVision. So here's how NXT ran down Tuesday. The show kicked off with an NXT Tag Team Championship match between MSK, defeating Tommaso Ciampa and Timothy Thatcher to retain the NXT Tag Team Championships. I really love this opening match on NXT. Three and two quarters, I would go out my way to see this. Fantastic bout. Uh, both guys looked really great. And the finish made sense. Um, <clears throat> of course, the finish saw literally MSK get their ass whooped by Timothy Thatcher at the end. However... Timothy Thatcher comes in the ring, and, you know, of course, Thatcher had on an ankle lock, and then Champa tried to hold down Nash Carter. Nash Carter then pushed Champa into Thatcher. Of course, um, finish though came with Leslie getting a roll-up pin on um, Tommaso Champ um, Timothy Thatcher. Uh, what did you think of the opening match on NXT this past Tuesday? Um... I thought the um, opening match was uh, good. It was a it was a good tag team title match. Um, some solid action, and of course, uh, MSK they successfully defended the titles in a, in a good title defense. A uh, very good title defense. Um, MSK actually worked this match as heels, though, believe it or not. Or, or well, they were supposed to work the match as heels, but the MSK didn't do that. But Champa and Thatcher worked the match as heels. But they were getting crowd, but they were getting cheered by the crowd, and MSK was actually technically getting booed. MSK did get cheered at the end, but at, but early in this match they were actually booed. Yeah. So, um, how about this here though? Next up, it was an NXT champion. Um, of course, William Regal, the general manager, and Samoa Joe are out in the ring, where they have a segment attempting to settle things between um, Johnny Gargano and Karrion Cross. Um, so, of course, this was going to erupt in mayhem. But it doesn't because you know Samojo's now there. Gargano claimed Cross was scared to face him in the ring. Regal said that this feud can um, go on, uh, cannot go on, which is a departure from the feud that must continue. But um, Regal announced a title match um, next week between Karrion and Cross versus Johnny Gargano. Cross um, s- said that he does three things every day. He says the first thing is always stay NXT champion. He says the second thing is to 
main event WrestleMania, and the third thing is to become WWE champion. And Tavon, when I heard him say these three things, I immediately thought this guy is going to the main roster in three weeks. Because I would have saved this for a takeover match, but yeah. they got to get the title off Karrion Cross. What do you feel like? Why, to me, how do you feel that they're trying to get this title off Karrion Cross so bad? Um. Ah, man. At this point, I mean, it's kind of, it's kind of sucky. It's happening all too fast. I mean, they definitely should have had this at a takeover. I mean, this should have already been announced at NXT Takeover Las Vegas, but unfortunately, they're not gonna necessarily do a takeover. So that's pretty much gonna suck. But yeah, like I said before. Want it carrying cross to have a great long way with the title, but shoot, I guess I guess we gotta I guess we gotta bolster up this main roster because the main roster I mean SmackDown is still good but Raw Raw, Raw needs help. Yeah, I, I mean well I, I know the NXT takeover that they're doing is gonna be staying in Florida at the Capitol Wrestling Center, so they're not even going to Las Vegas. Um, over the weekend, the main roster is so so. But to me, I feel like they're just they're just trying to get this title off cross so badly. Of course, William Regal said that Samoa Joe was going to become the special guest referee, and Johnny Gargano is literally a heel, but he's just getting cheered by the crowd. Karrion Cross is a heel too, so this is really a heel versus heel dude. You got a cowardly heel in Gargano, and you've got a heel. Carrying Cross is supposed to be serious. And of course, uh, you know, Carrying Cross insulted Johnny Gargano by saying that he wears his wife's jeans. Um, Cross said that this was not a cartoon, this is real wife. And then, of course, Gargano threw in a zinger as he was leaving the ring saying, Gargano said, It's funny, Cross, that you mentioned my wife's um, jeans. Man, Cross, you couldn't even lace up my wife's boots. Cross had, had enough and wanted to fight him, but Samoa Joe just blocked the way. Um,. So, yeah, but to me, Johnny Gargano is still a cowardly heel, and I hate this so much. So, I just hate it so much. Uh, we had a vignette, um, vignette hyping the NXT Cruiserweight Champion, Kushida. Kushida had said that he doesn't care if the Diamond Mine's open for business. He said the NXT Champion is open for business, and he wants to face Roderick Strong. So, we are going to be getting strong Kushida soon. Million Dollar Championship match, LA Knight defeating Cameron Grimes. This match nearly got two and three quarters to me because I thought they were going to do the shitty countout finish. Then L.A. Knight hit the DDT on Cameron Grimes on the outside on the championship belt and then put the championship belt underneath the ring. But then Cameron Grimes got back in at the count of nine, and L.A. Knight still hit a finisher and beat him quickly. This was three and a quarter. I actually like this match because Cameron Grimes made this match really fun. I like the ending um, with the Cameron with like LA Knight getting the million dollar championship and then trying to lie to the ref saying, "Oh, the championship's over there," and the referee can literally <laughs> see him trying to hide the damn belt. But but I like this. But I did like this match. Um, of course, the stipulation was that Cameron Grimes lost. He had to become LA Knight's butler, and LA Knight literally right after this match said. I hope that you brought your Ajax. I hope that you brought all the cleaning supplies because I've got some work for you. <laughs> what did you think of this match, Davon? Um, it was a good, it was a good match. Um, how about this here though? NXT Breakout Tournament entrance 
were introduced. The um, tournament um, includes Trey Baxter, that's the former Blake Christian, Carmelo Hayes, who's had matches with Adam Cole and Kushida, Andre Chase, Josh Briggs, um, Ike Minjuro, Joe Gacy, Odyssey Jones, and Duke Hudson. If you don't know who Duke Hudson is, he's the former Brendan Vink, who was on WWE's Monday Night Raw on the main roster last uh, year in the pandemic. I knew he was familiar. Exactly, and he's already had three different names in NXT, so this is his third one. And he is a former train um, rest. He is he's been trained by Booker T. Huffman. So hmm. so so actually, um, some good stuff right there. Also, Duke Hudson's best friends with Rhea Ripley, Indy Hartwell, and others. And um, um, Bronson Reed. So, um, definitely. But um, to me, when I look at this NXT breakout tournament, nothing screams good matches to me for some reason. Like, I just feel like, okay, I get it, but I don't really want to – like, they haven't made me care about it yeah, in this yeah. way. Pretty much, pretty much most of those guys – I mean, I have yet to know or have seen them. At a exactly. The only the only two that I've seen, well, three, is Chris. I mean, oh, it's Carmelo Hayes, Trey Baxter, mm-hmm. and pretty much um, Duke Duke Hudson. Ethan um, uh, Jiro, I know he was on Two Hundred Five Live, but mm-hmm. unfortunately, I don't really watch Two Hundred Five anymore nowadays. I mean, it can be kind of busy pretty much on Friday after SmackDown. So Yes. Yeah. And, and 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 I will say I've actually seen Euro's matches. The matches that he has I don't think translate to me very good. Like it like it works for the fans there, but these fans like in the damn building don't even know what the hell a babyface or a heel is because they just cheer Gar- Johnny Gargano. And Euro like works these matches where he wears like this rainbow coat, okay? And if you touch the coat, then he gets mad, and then he gets, like, all heated up. <sighs> but if you don't touch the coat, he's he's working, like, very, very slow. And it's really weird. So that's why I don't I don't like his style. Um, but I hope Carmelo Hayes wins it. I mean, that's yeah. really the only guy I can hope yeah, for. I can see I, either I, Carmelo Hayes winning it or pretty much Trey Baxter winning it. Because those are the only two. True, and I've seen Trey Baxter matches outside of WWE. So, but but other than that, I can't I can't name a match though that really makes me want to like go out my way to like really really like see. Hey, All right, sorry, Tavon. Uh, which guy? It, it's okay. Uh, all right. So, anyways, um, I had to go check something out real quick. Um, ice machines acting weird. Anyways, um, Zoe Stark and Io Shirai uh, defeated the NXT Women's Tag Team Champions The Way um, to win the um, tag team titles. So here's how this match goes. 
Um, before pre-match, though, um, the champions wore inspired gear of the new generation. Hartwell was dressed like um, Razor Ramon. And, you know, people were saying that Candice Ray was dressed like the one, two, three kid. Candice Ray was dressing like a Disney-like villain. There was no fucking way that Candice Ray was dressing like the one, two, three kid. Of course, I know what Indy Hartwell was doing. She was definitely dressing like Razor Ramon of the early 90s and shit like that. Um, but this match here was weird because if Eels was not in this match, then this meant that it was Zoe and Indy Hartwell match, and this was not good. But when Eo Shirai was in it, the match was actually good. So, um, I mean, it was Eo and Candice. They had good bout. Of course, here's how the finish goes. Um, you get this battery that just comes out of nowhere, and it hits 100%. And I'm like, this is some rude-ass shit right here. I said, <laughs> what the hell kind of shit is this? And then it's Tegan Knox, and I had to remember, what the hell is Tegan Knox trying to screw Candice Ray? Yeah, and then because I thought, Candice injured on Tegan. Exactly, and then I thought about it a minute later, and I'm like, oh, I said, oh, she took out Tegan's knee. So that's why I then had, I, I did not understand it at first. So, of course, Candace got knocked out the ring. Um, Shirai takes down um, Indy. Zoe Stark hit this beautiful, um, like, reverse GTS on Indy Hartwell for the three count. And then after the match, you think, okay, the women are going to get their moment. No, the women don't even get the tag team championships in their hands because <laughs> Tegan Knox whoops Candace Ray's ass for a few minutes. <laughs> and then the women get to celebrate with the tag team titles. And then Indy Hartwell during the commercial break. I thought we were done with this feud. It was three fucking weeks and Dexter Loomis comes out and he carries her off. And I have to hear Beth Phoenix say, oh, my God. Oh, my God. They're back together. Like, like, no, they're not. Shut up. Like, please. We were doing so good for three weeks. And then they said, you know what? These women have had three good weeks of booking. Let's fuck them over tonight. That was the saddest shit in my life. I was mad as hell. I was super mad. I'm sorry, Tavon, but... I mean, hey, it's okay, Zach. I mean, at this point, honestly, Indy needs to take a page out of pretty much some of the old <laughs> WWE Divas book. <laughs> she does, man. But, but you know what's even more worse, Tavon? We get even more worse things because Tony Storm cuts a promo on oh, the NXT yeah. Women's Champion Raquel Gonzalez and Storm was asked about Saray wanting a match and... Storm scuffed at the thought of him the challenge, and I'm like, why is it Tony Storm a baby face? Yep. Why does she even need to be a heel for? Exactly. Like, I, like, I can't even hate Tony Storm no more, and I'm just, and I don't understand what's going on with the women. They did so good for three whole weeks, Tavon. We had three whole weeks where the women were getting booked good, and then they screwed them. They, mm-hmm. Every one of these women got hurt tonight in bad ways. Every woman to me, I thought, got hurt in a bad way on this show. Like, you had Candace, you know, and Tegan, they're feuding. Okay, that's good. EO and Zoe did not get the spotlight when they won the championships. You got Indy Hartwell having to be back in this love storyline with Dexter Loomis. <laughs> Tony Storm's not a babyface for whatever reason. Yeah, and then Raquel Gonzalez and Dakota Kai cut a promo. And Dakota Kai, you know, just said she she said that they could be the NXT Tag Team Champions, but instead they want to beat Ember Moon and Shotzi Blackheart up. And we've already seen Ember Moon, Shotzi Blackheart versus Dakota Kai and um, Raquel Gonzalez. And and to and to me and to me they're not even setting up a challenger for Raquel Gonzalez's championship. That's what's even worse about this. 
Yeah. Like, they're not even setting up... They're not even setting up a champion to challenge... They're not even setting up anybody to challenge Raquel Gonzalez. And to me, that's just sad. So, yep. just... I really, feel, I really feel bad for all the women because I didn't feel like the women deserved poor booking. They were doing so good for all these weeks outside yeah. of the Mercedes Martinez... Um, Zia Lee, but this is just to me, this was too much. Um, however, we did get the best segment of the night, I felt. The Hit Row um, Championship Cypher uh, Celebration. Yeah, I loved it. B-Fab can rap. Top yep. Dollar came out with a freestyle. They got the Exactly. Isaiah Swerve Scott playing his best Rust Buster Rhymes impressions of going fast on the mic. They wrapped their whole entrance theme. I really like. I really like this. I, I and I know people are gonna say like because I remember I've, I've showed this to someone and I showed this segment. To someone. someone said, "Well, it's not supposed to be a concert." And I'm like, "Isn't wrestling technically concert venue anyway?" Because look at how much they. Because look how much at WrestleMania you get for like an entrance. You get five minutes for I mean, an entrance. The Rock did a concert for himself at the WrestleMania 19. Exactly, and and to me, I'm just like 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 it's not supposed to be a concert. I'm like it's a concert venue. You have to understand it in these ways. So of course I had someone tell me, well they might as well just be taking a shit in the ring for two hours. <laughs> and if this is content creating, like like it's it's more than that. You know, like to me. This is something different. This is honestly something different, you know, because because usually in WWE, what do you get when you get championship celebrations? You get a little confetti, you get a, a promo, and then who comes out? Someone. It's always someone new. But instead, this time, no one didn't come out. They got the, they got to wrap their whole entrance. They got to literally, it literally felt like they got actually like Hit Row is something different. Yes. Like they're like something they're actually unique. something that you can relate to. Yeah. Like and I and and to me when people just say, well, why are they trying this stuff? This doesn't work. This ain't gonna draw viewers. It's about making stars. Yeah. And this is a good way. And to me, the Isaiah Swerve stuff reminds me of the John Cena thugonomics in, in the yeah. ad, in the ruthless aggression era. That's what it is. Like, literally, you can see Isaiah Swerve's guys just paying homage to Cena in the Thugonomics way. And, of course, and, and people are just like, oh, well, well, they might as well be just taking a shit in the ring if they're going to just do this. Like, like, come on, man. Like, you know, like, to, like, to me, like, to me, I feel like people don't understand this. And it does get over. It will get over. It might not at first, but it's going to get over. So, definitely, I, that's why, so that's why I definitely like this. This was so different. They hit a home run. All of them did great. And I loved it. Um, our main event, though, for this show, it's Adam Cole, Kyle O'Reilly. This was a great pro wrestling match. Four and a quarter. Here's what I loved about this match. At first, um, of course, Adam Cole was selling the knee. But Kyle O'Reilly didn't work the knee. Kyle O'Reilly was working the arm. Then, in the second commercial break, then we had Adam Cole work on Kyle O'Reilly's knee. The third commercial break to end the show... We had Kyle O'Reilly going at the arm, then going at the knee at Adam Cole. Then we had Adam Cole going for Kyle O'Reilly's knee. Finish came literally with a Panama sunrise on the outside that looked rough as hell. I'm sorry, but man, these Panama sunrises are crazy. Then Cole rolled O'Reilly back in the ring. 
O'Reilly got his foot on the rope to break up the pin. They traded some strikes. Cole then takes a brain buster. Cole was prone on the mat as O'Reilly climbed the turnbuckle. O'Reilly leaped off the top rope with a bombs away knee drop, but instead Cole rolled out the way. O'Reilly crashed and burned. He sold his knee. Cole delivered the last shot. Yet O'Reilly kicked out at two and three quarters. Cole went for a Panama Sunrise again. O'Reilly blocked it with a knee strike. However, O'Reilly delivered the strike with his injured knee that Cole worked on previously in the match. Cole then executed a Panama Sunrise, and he followed up with the last shot. Cole went on to cover O'Reilly for the deciding pinfall. Tavon, what did you think of the main event for NXT? It was a um, great main event. Um, Kyle O'Reilly and Adam Cole, they basically tried to kill each other. And, yeah. Even though I was kind of expecting Kyle O'Reilly to win, but, okay, Adam Cole wins, and it seems like we're going to get a welcome match. Definitely great match. Four and a quarter. Check out that main event, though, if you got time. That was on NXT Tuesday. AEW, um, this was the Road Rager show. This is our first of the next six weeks of just special TV shows. So, of course... Aside from the odd blackout in the middle of this match between the South Beach strap between Cody Rhodes and QT Marshall, this was a decent opener for a kickoff the show back with fans. Um, of course, the South Beach strap match was you had to touch all four ring corners. And this match to me was decent. But, you know, at the end it got good. And Cody got the fans to chant one, two, three, and four. On the, every time he touched those ropes, he hit three crossroads straight. They showed him Manton uh, Nunez and Jorge Masvidal of the UFC at ringside watching the match, and they enjoyed it. Um, what did you think of the opener for this AEW Road Rager? It was a um, decent opener. Yeah, I would have to say it probably dragged at the beginning, but it got more better and better as the match went on. It did. Um, how about this? I, the only thing I didn't like about this match was QT Marshall. He didn't even get a ring entrance. That was weird. Um, yeah. But I guess, but I guess people thought that he wasn't going to win anyway, and I mean he can now move away from this Cody feud because um, this Cody feud didn't help him at all. I didn't think. Sean Spears cut a promo. He addressed Sammy Guevara, saying it was Guevara's ego that got him in trouble last week when um, Sean Spears said he delivered the second best chair shot ever in um, in AEW's history. Um, of course, the first one he means Cody. I love Sean Spears. I mean, he had a little chair thing on his jacket. I love that. And then, of course, he was interrupted by a chair gig thrown at him by Sammy Guevara. And then Sammy Guevara sat the chair and said, who says this is far from over? <laughs> uh, Kenny Omega, Hangman Page promo. Um, Kenny Omega and Don Callis were introduced by Tony Schiavone. Callis immediately told, um, took the mic, told Schiavone to get lost. He's going to give a history to Miami but was interrupted by You Got Fired Chance <laughs> because he got fired on Impact Wrestling and Storyline. Callus moved down the AEW, um, the AEW list of um, challengers that's been facing Kenny Omega. All the fans are in the shadows with the god of pro wrestling, said Callus. Unfortunately, there's a problem. They've beaten everybody. So then the crowd chants, we want Hangman. <laughs> Uh, cowboy shit chance, and then the Dark Order's music plays. Evil Uno led the Dark Order out. He said, it, "He says it's too hot for me to wear this coat in Miami tonight." So then, Evil Uno starts asking Kenny Omega questions, saying, "Why is it you keep ignoring this crowd every time they chant this guy's name?" 
And then Kenny Omega says, you seem very, very educated for a guy in this group. He said, tell me, Evil Uno, what's the capital of um, Tahiti? <laughs> so then, Evil Uno actually came ready to ask the question, and then he gets kicked in the nuts. <laughs> I like this segment. And then Hangman's music played, and then that's when he got the big pop of the night, Tavon. I love this here. Of course, the Good Brothers came down. They try to fight off the Hangman and um, the Dark Order. Kenny Omega was fighting off some Dark Order. And then, of course, Kenny Omega was left long in the ring with Hangman. And then and the segment and the segment ended with neither of them touching each other. Um, what did you think of this segment? Well, good segment. Um, it was pretty well done. Um, <laughs> pretty much like the comedy and all of that. And yeah, I mean, like Jim Walsh said when it. Yeah, like Jim Walsh said. I mean, yeah, this um match between Adam Page and um. Kenny Omega, I mean, everybody's been wanting this match pretty much since forever, and yeah, can't wait for the cowboy shiznit to um, happen at All Out. I definitely agree. I can't wait for it neither. Darby Allen, Ethan Page had an interview with Jim Ross. JR said he was uncomfortable because both of these men have talked about ending the other's career. Page didn't see anything wrong with it. Allen said Page was angry about how much Darby Allen has accomplished in such a short time while it's taken Ethan Page 12 years. He said Page was complacent as a big fish in a little pond and that Allen had made it to AEW before Page angered him. Page said that all of it was true. He said that he plucked Darby Allen from obscurity. He brought Allen in and up from professional wrestling. He said next week in the coffee match, he's going to take Darby Allen out. JR closed it by saying he didn't have a good feeling about the situation. And to me, I didn't like this segment. Here's the reason why, because I felt like what Darby Allen and Ethan Page were saying was so generic WWE. Like it just, it just felt like, like, like I wish it, I wish that here's what I would have wanted. I would have wanted Ethan Page to say, why he threw Darby Allen down those steps. I want more of a reason just, oh, you know, like, I'm I'm the angry veteran of 12 years. Like, th- that's such WWE, like, promo work. And I didn't like that. What, what did you think of this segment? Um, okay. I wouldn't necessarily say it was too bad. Um, I, I didn't think it was necessarily a great segment. Yeah, it was somewhat below decent. I mean, I was kind of thinking differently, but sure, I'll I'll consider what what you thought of it. And which, yeah, it, it could have been much more interesting. Yeah, I, I just wished it was like no offense. It 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 was. Like, 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 I know these two can cut better promos. They cut a better promo at Daly's place than they did with this. Um, the Pinnacle defeated the Inner Circles. Um, Dax Hardwood, Cash Wheeler, and Wardlow with Tully Blanchard defeated the Inner Circles. Santana, Ortiz, and Jake Hager with Conan. Um, this was a match. It was a match. I mean, I didn't think it was good, but I didn't think it was bad. I thought it was just decent in the middle. Um, the finish, uh, allowed a, um, this is how the finish went. Wheeler countered the Hager bomb. So Hager locked on an ankle lock. Hardwood broke it up, but ran into a big boot. Hager called for Wardlow, who tagged in. They traded right hands in the center of the ring. Hager escaped out of the suplex. 
I went for the ankle up, but FTR entered the ring on the distraction from Tully, and then hitting the big rig out of nowhere, and um, Wardlow covered Hager after the match. Conan hit Wardlow with um, some socks and a, um, with some baseballs and a sock, but then Tully Blanchard chop blocked him from behind. Um, what did you think of this match? Um, hmm, decent match. Um, the end, the the aftermath of the match. <laughs> I just gotta say, Conan. I I don't know. I don't know how. How did he thought that that was gonna work? But I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I, I will say he did sell the chop block really good. He did sell that chop block really good. Yeah, you know, and, and 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 I did think Wardlow was actually going to kill him though first. I did think Wardlow was just going to hit him with like an F ten. I'm like, oh shit! Like Cody is really going to be fucked up if he gets hit with this. So, but <laughs> it was a smart segment. I liked it. Uh, Carl Anderson. So so here's what we got next week: Carl Anderson, John Moxley in the main event of Night One of Fighter Fest for the uh, IWGP United States Championship. Carl Anderson cut this amazing fucking promo. He cut the promo saying that Kenny Omega was the very first ever IWGP United States champion, which he was, and that he said that he wanted to bring back the old machine gun to New Japan Pro Wrestling, and they showed highlights of him in matches with AJ Styles and Shisuke Nakamura there. Of course, Carl Anderson was a part of the original Bullet Club with Tama Tanga, Tama Loa, and others, and this was the perfect segment i loved every bit of this segment and it made me so mad afterwards for this one reason here Tavon. it needed a better build you do not need to do a one week build on a john moxley return this should have a three-week build three-week i I was very disgusted with this because if they had did a three-week build it would have been so much better but carl anderson cut a serious poem on i loved it Chris Jericho, MJF, face-to-face um, standoff. Someone ran into the ring during Jericho's entrance. <laughs> this was a jackass. I, I this was, was a jackass. I, mean, well, I was well, like, wait, what? It, it was like, exactly. Wait, did a fan really just, just ran to the ring? <laughs> exactly. And, oh, and, the, and then MJF cuts the promo and says, like, he said, I wish that fat bastard would have gotten the ring and tried to fight me. And Jim Ross said, we don't condone that. Like, <laughs> I was like, I was like, this dumb son of a bitch really came out there and wanted to fight Jericho. I'm like, really? Like, I wouldn't have never tried to do that, but okay. So, the MJF Chris Jericho segment was actually really, really good. This was the highlight of the show for segment wise. MJF dared anyone in the crowd to do that, and then he said Jericho's here groveling for one more match, saying it's sad, but it's understandable because everyone wants a piece of the king of AEW. Jericho said that he should have just let the fat bastard come in the ring and beat MJF's ass. <laughs> so, so then the crowd starts cheering that shit like, like stop saying that, like this crowd is just going to come in the damn ring and whoop his ass if this game's happening. So Jericho said he accepted any stipulation MJF put in front of him, including having sex with his mom <laughs> again. And put that mic down and started cussing him out like a sailor, saying that was not even funny, and he nearly flipped that damn table over. And MJF <laughs> said, you know what, Chris, I'm not going to let you get to me. 
He said, he said, he said, I'm not going to do it in front of garbage <laughs> fans in Miami, Florida. So <laughs> I loved every bit about this. He said he looked up to Jericho falling every single step of his career, including the John Moxley feud. He said Jericho made Moxley wrestle every person in the inner circle, and MJF is going to take the blueprint and make it better. MJF said he loved Greek mythology growing up, and his favorite story was the laborers of Hercules. Jericho's going to have five laborers. The first four will be opponents of MJF's choosing with unique stipulations, and Jericho will have to win all of them. The fifth is MJF when he beats um, Jericho a third time. Maybe he'll learn MJF maybe he'll learn MJF's better than him and he knows it. Jericho accepted because he's the god of battle, the god of thunder, and the god of war in AEW and the crowd is going crazy. Jericho <laughs> did say this here though. Before he signed the contract, he said, if I can't beat you, I don't deserve to be in AEW. Oh. Exactly. So then, of course, Jericho signed it. He threw the contract in MJF's face. MJF said that he had to shake hands before he could agree to the deal. And, of course, they did shake hands, and then Jericho wouldn't let go, so Jericho hit him with a Judas effect to end the segment. I love this segment. This was an awesome segment to me. I I loved every bit about this segment. What about you, Tavon? Yeah, me too. Um, yeah, it was it was a awesome segment. <laughs> it was funny as hell when that fan came. <laughs> that that that's still funny. I'm still laughing. Exactly. I, I literally, like the moment it happened, I literally had to think. I think this is about to be on Twitter right now. <laughs> Exactly. You know, what was funny to me was when Chris Jericho insulted MJF's mother. That's oh, what made yeah, me yeah, laugh the most. That, that, that made me laugh the most. <laughs> so then uh, we had Britt Baker backstage with Rebel, um, and Tony Schiavone was interviewing her. And Britt Baker said she's only the positive. She said the only positive that came out of last week's match was that uh, it was another win for Britt Baker, but an innocent person Rebel was hurt. She talked about the ratings. And the match only happened as Vicky Guerrero could bring AEW Andrade in. Baker said Tony Khan to enjoy his blood money, saying maybe AEW should run their next show in Saudi Arabia. (laughs) (laughs) I'll tell you what, man, they were throwing a lot of WWE WWE. They were taking a lot of WWE jabs tonight. So Nyla Rose is never getting her title. She said Nyla Rose is never getting her title back. Baker is not just sending Rose back to the um, back of the line. She's sending her back to obscurity. She said, she said, she said we're also going to be in Dallas for night two. She said – they say everything's bigger in Texas. She said, she said, I disagree. She said by the time she's done, she said that Dallas will be known for DMD. This was a great segment. It was a great, great little segment, and I liked it. Um, great little interview. So Andrade El Itador took on Matt Seidel. A decent debut for Andrade. Um, you know, but he still has to set himself apart in AEW. He's going to need some more time. You know, but he did have a good opponent in Seidel. You know, um, Seidel, you know, did have some good spots. But, of course, Andrade, you know, picked his legs um, at the top rope. Went for a diving stop. Seidel avoided it and hit a meteor for two. Andrade came back with running knees in the corner and hit his hammerlock DDT, which he's now calling El Itador for the victory. After the match, Andrade um, tied up Seidel's arm in a belt and wrenched it on it. So, good little segment. I liked it. Um, good little match. What, what did you think of this match? It was, uh, yeah, it was a decent debut for Andrade. I mean... The future 
His future in AEW, I mean, it's definitely bright. He, he, he will be one of the top guys for sure. And um, yeah, um, give Andrade a little bit more time, and yeah, I mean, he's set. He's set for life. He definitely is. He definitely is. Um, and then we had a um Christian Matt Hardy video promo playing. Christian always had got the better of Harley through Hardy throughout the years. Hardy said he was upset because every time Christian goes, he said every time he goes somewhere, Christian has to follow him. He said that Christian betrayed his trust at Double or Nothing and they shook hands because he said he said he said I thought a twenty three French twenty three year of friendship meant something to you, but it obviously doesn't. And Christian said that he's not here to be friends with Hardy. He said he told Hardy to get on his level or get the hell out the way. So they will have a match at night one of Fighter Fest. It's not a ladder match. It's not a weapons match. It's just a regular match, which is very weird. Yeah. Um, if you told me that in 2021 they would be having a regular match, I would never believe you because I'm like, why isn't this just a number one contenders match? Yeah, for just do TLC. It, I mean, that brings back good memories. Or just get a ladder. <laughs> just make it a ladder match. A ladder match has just been fine <laughs> as well, too. So, of course, um, we had an awesome, simple debut. Tavon, I was shocked when I saw this year. I really was. Arn Anderson was with Tony Schiavone. Arn said it was great to be back in Miami with fans. He was interrupted with another blackout. I honestly thought that they just didn't pay the damn light bill at this point. Because it, <laughs> it, this was like the second time. So, when the lights came back on... Tommy in the former Alistair Black came in. He hit a black mass, his spinning heel kick. So Black, so so Tommy, um, so the Alistair Black character is selling this eye like this eye is one side of a demon. Because of course, if you remember back in Raw during the pandemic at the Performance Center, his eye was taken out by Buddy Murphy. And that's and and he's been selling that eye ever since when he came back to. Kick Biggie with the um with the black mask. He had he had an eye that looked different from the other. Yeah. Now he's now his eye is now all purple and everything, and mm. I like it. I like it. it. It's it's like Michael Myers esque, if you want to say. Yeah. So that's what I like. Cody came out there, and then Cody wouldn't even go near this motherfucker. <laughs> Cody didn't even want to help hard. He was just like <laughs> stand away. He's like he's like uh. It's like, you better not hit me. You better not hit me. And then Alistair Black just hits him with a damn black mask and leaves. <laughs> I liked it. I like this perfect, simple segment, and it got a big pop. Excalibur announced him as Maki Black. So this is awesome. They recapped a taped um, segment from earlier where they were taping AEW Dark, where Ricky Starks cut a promo. He brought out some security that he paid on his own. The security looked already like they were going to get their ass whooped anyway. So, um, of course, Taz shut this down, and Ricky Stark said that he he said that he was not going to listen to Taz or nobody. He said that he was going to take the FTW champion and party like an FTW champion, and he said the W in FTW stands for wife, which he then called out <laughs> Brian Cage's wife, Melissa Santos, and this idiot then ran from Brian Cage. I'm like, yeah, you better run, you idiot. Like, um, but it was a it was a cute little video thing. We had Orange Cassidy and Chris Statlander defeat the Blade and the Bunny. Really not really a lot to go into this match here. Uh, finish just came where, of course, um, you know, 
Orange Cassidy had a had a pinfall victory. I mean, Chris Statlander hit the 450 on Blade, but Cassidy was pulled out by the Bunny. So then the Bunny and R.B. Edwards started arguing outside, which made the Butcher put on those big brass knuckles that you can honestly like see from like a mile away. <laughs> so then, of course, Orange Cassidy goes for the Superman punch, but he gets knocked the hell out. So then Chris Statlander tagged in Orange Cassidy. And then while 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 Blade was um, turned looking at Bunny, and then of course we had um, Ali get bit, get beat with the Big Bang Theory from Chris Statlander. This was a this was a good match, but to me the only thing I did not like about this match, Tavon, was this is the only thing I did not like. I did not like um, the Chris Statlander had to basically beat two people by herself. Because Orange Cassidy, for the most of this match, got beat up by Blade. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah, sure. And I, I, I mean, to me, to me, to, to me, this was just like a match that just felt like, why was this match like even like happening? Yeah, it's, it's one of those things where, yeah, not gonna lie, like I mean, heading into this show, I mean, this was pretty much, yeah, not gonna lie, this was the match I, I felt like I wanted to. Like I felt like I was the most in, <laughs> like I was the most in, um invested into <laughs> mostly because of the mixed tag team match. I mean, the beginning of where <laughs> Orange Cassidy was pretty much just playing a lot of <laughs> Ali, and Ali's just so good. She's just so funny for that. I mean, she basically laughed, and then she starts, and then there's the teasing of. Chris Statlander and Blade fighting, and then there's Ali pretty much pulling. Exactly, exactly. Orange Cassidy all the way. It's like it's it's like one of these things. It's like about mixed tag team matches. It's like it's like okay, this this is a good match, but like I always say, like if if you want to do all this, just make it an intergender match so it can be much more entertaining. Because I mean, (laughs) it's just it's just funny. Exactly. And to me, I was, I mean, the only thing that, like, to me, like, Orange Cassidy should be technically next in line to face Kenny Omega after Hangman. But the way that they booked Orange Cassidy is just like, man, Orange Cassidy is really going to stay in mid-card for a very long time because, and I didn't like that. I just, I thought this match was just really weird. Like, I like Chris Atlander. Having to help Orange Cassidy made just Orange Cassidy look weak. Not in a bad way to people that are going to like think that, that we're being sexist. But to me, Chris Statlander really did all the work. And Orange Cassidy pretty much didn't really do anything. That's what I'm trying to yeah, like, go through. Yeah, pretty much. I mean, they, yeah, if this was an intergender match, I mean, at least give him some action with Ali. Exactly, <laughs> definitely. Um, so then earlier today, AEW officials uh, awarded Jungle Boy with a trophy for becoming the first wrestler with 50 wins. This segment would have been perfect if he had Anna Jay on his arm as well. Yeah. That's the only thing that was missing. <laughs> I, they, they're going to have to say that he dates Anna Jay. They're, they're trying to avoid it, but they need to go ahead and say yeah, this. To get they, to... they can't avoid it now. I mean, they really though, can't. I mean, even though it's pretty much wrestling, well, well, let me be honest with you, Sag. When it comes to marriage and couples and wrestling, let, let's be honest. The wrestling, the the wrestling companies, the wrestling world, they they could honestly not give a fuck. I mean, they will do anything 
and pretty much everything to tell you, hey, this, this, yeah, I understand that you know that this said couple is married, but we're not going to care about it because we're just going to, we're just going to hook up one of said couple with this, this guy or girl, <laughs> pretty much. Exactly. Um, so then happens all the time. Definitely. So, so then this was the weirdest segment of the night, Tavon. I think this was just meant to, for fans to be happy, technically. Um, we had Dan Lambeer, who I didn't even fucking know, and you didn't even know, neither. Yeah. Who was also there with – but but I knew who, who Jorge Masvidal and Amanda Nunez was. I didn't know who they were. And he moved into the ring. He started cutting a promo about AEW. You know, he bashed the fans. He bashed the audience. He bashed the wrestling there. He said he watched old-school wrestling, and it was much better with Florida Championship Wrestling. And he talked to Tony Khan – um, and Tony Khan was trying to put over all these guys, and then Lance Archer came out, and Lance Archer just decked him and ended this segment quickly. I didn't know what the fuck this was leading to, um, but it was fine. It was fine, I guess. I mean, it just made the crowd happy. It didn't make me happy. Um, next week's AEW Dynamite for Fighter Fest Night 1. It should just be called Week 1, not Night 1. Um, call for the match, Darby Allen, Ethan Page, which will um, – then we got the FTW champion, Brian Cage – Versus Ricky Starks, Christian Cage versus Matt Hardy, Yuka Zakizaki makes her return against the bad girl Penelope Ford. Our uh, main event, the IWGP United States Champion John Moxley takes on Carl Anderson, and Hangman Page cuts a promo for Kenny Omega. Don Callis joined um, commentary for this main event. The main event was the Young Bucks versus um, Eddie Kingston and Penta El Zero Miro. The Young Bucks retained the AEW World Tag Team Championships. Tavon, this is a four and a quarter match. I loved it. I thought it was a great main event. Uh, the distractions and all this, I knew that was already coming, so that's why I was already prepared for this. If I wasn't prepared for it, you know, I would have been PO'd, but I loved every bit about this match. I did, you know, it's 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 the Young Bucks match that you wanted. You had MT Nakasawa get super kicked by the Young Bucks. You had Brandon Cutler, who was trying not to spray stuff in Matt's face. And then Penta, and then Penta, and, and Matt kept chaining, uh, kept switching too much. So then that gave Frankie's Kazarian to came out, and Frankie's Kazarian put Cutler through the table. You had the thumbtacks. <laughs> oh, and, and the funny thing about him putting Brandon Cutler through the table is like Cutler was still spraying. Like there was literally a a fan in the gray shirt and a hat. He he almost got sprayed. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. So, so it was it was definitely great. You, you know, Frankie Kazarian got over really good with this crowd. He was really over with this crowd. Uh, I mean, the thumbtacks. This was where this is where I, th- that was the only thing I did not like about this match, Javon. I didn't think we needed fucking thumbtacks. And thank goodness no one didn't really go through thumbtacks except Penta, but he landed on his ass in him. But poor Eddie Kicks. I mean, I never expected thumbtacks. Not going to lie. I thought it was cool at first, but uh, sure. Exactly. So then the Young Bucks, one of the Young Bucks just throws like thumbtacks in Eddie's face. And I like that. And then um, we, and then there were some other good spots right there. You know, at the end, Eddie Kingston is trying to fight off two men. He's literally lost one half of his um shirt to hold up. But then it doesn't matter because the Young Bucks super kick him, and then they put thumbtacks in his mouth and super kick him, and they both cover him. The brutal spots of this match was when Eddie Kingston broke this table apart, and he had like one of the legs sticking up broken. 
And he went through that spot. And then you couldn't even enjoy that spot because here's what happens a second later. Penta puts one of the other Young Bucks through a damn table off a damn um, Panama Sunrise. And I was like, what the hell? Like, these guys wow. are killing themselves. Like, it, they were killing themselves super hard to me. I was like, whoa. I was like, let's calm it down some. Um, but I actually enjoyed it. I actually did. Um, good set, good, good main event. Yeah, great main event. It's a four and a quarter main event. So check it out, folks. Um, of course, we've now um covered all of the wrestling for this week. Um, of course, I, I did forget to mention just um some few little notes here. Um, oh, the WWE writer job. Yes, and Tegan Knox is actually very good friends with Brie Lawson, who plays Captain Marvel uh, yeah. in the Avengers. So I, I forgot to mention that. Exactly, and and what was awesome about the Brie Lawson thing, Brie Lawson actually helped Tegan Knox with her ACL recovery because mm. Brie Lawson actually tore her ACL when she did um, the Avengers as well. So ah. so so actually that was some good stuff right there. But the WWE writer job, oh. So here's what's happened the last two times I've done this show. I keep saying I'm going to talk about Kent Mobley and I'm going to talk about Kent Mobley and I'm going to talk about Kent Mobley. And I never do. <laughs> I never because because we're always so busy with other stuff, and I'm just like, I don't want to talk about Kids Mobley. Like, and then I forget. So then, I I had to get like this notification. So so there are people that, okay. So of course Tavon, you know I'm not a guy that really listens to podcasts. I'm not really that type of guy because when I listen to podcasts, the only podcast I listen to is the important ones like Wrestling Observer Radio or something. So that way I know more, and that way I can provide more feedback on stuff. But the rest of the stuff I don't do this. I don't really do a lot of that because I'm just – I don't have the time to watch other people's podcasts. And, and I also feel like like I don't mind being on someone's, but I don't want to be talking about I, – I don't want to be hearing about the same stuff I'm talking about. So – but of course I had to have people send me links, and people were showing me these things. Um where it's like four or five black people like you and myself were, were talking about this Kent Smobley. And they were talking about Kent Smobley, but they were defending her and saying, well, WWE needs to hire people that don't know wrestling. I'm like, why would you say that? Like, you, like do, do you see how bad wrestling gets with these promos? Like, they're writing promos. So, so and, and people seem to forget the best stuff doesn't come in your scripted. Like, C.J. Perry can write comedy herself, because C.J. Perry is an actress. She has been in movies. She does... She's been a model. Nia Jax is an actual model. Tamina has actually been a model. Hmm. Natalia, I believe, can actually cut a great promo and doesn't even need a script. Yeah, but when you've got experience. Exactly. They're all experienced. And I don't like... I mean, I hear people say, well, people like Kids Mobley deserve this job, so that way they can teach them better comedy. Like, here's the thing. You cannot teach someone wrestling in five easy minutes. That's like me trying to teach you about tennis in five easy minutes when I don't want to watch tennis like that. You can't teach that stuff because, for one, it takes years. You can – and the problem was with Kids Mobley is she is not – a professional TV writer or anything. She's done one segment on the Jimmy Fallon Tonight Show. That was two years ago. 
she has never done anything serious to where she's she's been just a stand-up comedian more. And she got this job because this job pays her three times more than what she's ever going to make in her life. And that was the only reason. But I'm not going to sit up here and say, man, they need to really hire people. Like, because that's bad. I don't care if you got – 45 years of comedy experience. You could be George fucking Carlton. You could be Bernie Mac. You could be Dave Chappelle. You could be whoever you want. But you're not going to know wrestling, especially if you don't even know the WWE champion's name. She didn't even know the WWE champion's name. She didn't know anything about – she didn't even know NXT existed. She just knew about Raw and SmackDown. Mm. And I'm just like – like – like here's the thing. I don't try to bury kids moment. I'm really not trying to bury her. I I honestly do hope she has found another job, which I'm sure she has, because usually when you leave WWE, you get hired by someone else because they like think, oh well, she's been a professional, she's been there or something, and you know, of course she didn't last on, but of course she's going to find work. And to me, this was my issue here. You know, then you got WWE. They come out with these job titles on Indeed and all this bullshit. And here's the qualifications for him. Five years plus of writing for TV, film, or social media. Producing mm. and directing experience, A+. plus, Professional TV staff experience in drama and comedy, A+. plus, Experience in live TV production, A+. plus, Plugged into social media trends. Previous experience with working on-screen talent, creative workers, producers, Understanding of WWE's audience demographic and psychological graphic. What the fuck does that even mean? <laughs> a plus, but not required. Okay. BA, BS, and film study, TV, drama, media studies, communications, or significant field of study of, or validation experience in degree. This is stupid. Because, for one, here's the thing about WWE jobs. And I'm going to give you the 411 people. If you don't know wrestling, you get the job more than the guy that would know wrestling. Because there are people that Which have actually crazy. tried out. Exactly. And, and what's weird is there are people that have tried out for this job and watch nothing but Monday Night Raw and SmackDown. But they don't get the job because they feel that they will criticize this product. They want yes people. They don't want people that know professional wrestling. And there's people that act so stupid. That just act stupid just to get this job. Mm. So I, I'm I'm just like whatever. I'm so whatever on. I this. guess the key to being in the company is act stupid. <laughs> exactly, just act stupid and say you don't watch wrestling, and then when you do podcasts and stuff, don't be saying the WWE champion's name is Bobby Ashley. <laughs> if she didn't say the WWE champion was Bobby Ashley, and said I, Bobby Lashley and MVP are the nicest people I've ever worked with. She would have gotten a raise. Instead, when you call the WWE champion Bobby Ashley and you didn't know him, you're not going to get a job. Sorry, you're going to lose it quickly. Now we can get into some NFL stuff here in our um, second hour. Um, we're going, of course, we're going with two NFL teams a day every time we do a show. So this week we've got the so we've got two more NFL teams. It's the Arizona Cardinals. And the Tennessee Titans. We're going to start with the Cardinals in the NFC. In the NFC West, here's the um, stories for the Arizona Cardinals. They last year, you know, of course they've got Cliff Kingsbury, their coach now in his third year. They've gotten, they've actually improved their defense. They've gotten JJ Watt, but they lost uh, Patrick Peterson. 
And this team is definitely going to – this team to me is, you know, they're projected to win eight games. They're the only NFC West team that is projected to win um, only eight games. The Seahawks, the Rams, and the Niners are all scheduled to win ten or more. They're the only NFC division that has this. Um, the Cardinals to win the division is plus 575 to make the playoffs is plus 190. To win the NFC Conference is 18-1. to Super Bowl 41. Kyler Murray's got 18-1 MVP odds. Um, the win total for them, I, I've got them winning over eight games. Um, that's minus 140. Um, and I do say they finish 10-7. and seven. I don't know if they win the division. Um, what, what about you, Tavon? When you, when you see the, the Cardinals, they've got J.J. Watt. They've got Kyler Murray. They've got, a, they've got DeAndre Hopkins at wide receiver. They've got, a, they've got a really underrated core. Do you think the Cardinals can make the playoffs this year or at least win over eight games? Hmm. Um. Where did they um rank in the um, NFC? In the NFC last year, do do. Let me go ahead. Using Wikipedia to cheat like usual. <laughs> <laughs> I typed in Cardinals and it didn't show me shit. But then when I type oh. in, but then when I type in NFC West divisional standings, then they show. Well, the Cardinals were eight and eight last year, so that's why. And yeah. the Seahawks were twelve and four, and the Rams were ten and six. The 49ers were six and ten, but they had injuries. Mm. Yeah, I say um, the Cardinals over five. And how about this year for the AFC South? Uh, odds presented by Caesar Sports by William Hill. The Tennessee Titans are the AFC South team that will cover. They they're projected to win over ten games. To win the divisions plus one ten. To make the playoffs is minus one fifty. Uh, to win the conference um, in the AFC, they're fifteen to one Super Bowl. They're thirty to one odds. Ryan Tannehill for MVP is thirty to one odds. Uh, the win total, you know, if they go under, it's plus one hundred for under ten games. Um, I've got them winning the division. At eleven and six or ten and seven, they got Julio Jones. Julio Jones only had three touchdowns in nine games last year, so mm-hmm. I know Julio Jones is going to be way better in uh, Tennessee. They've got um, Derrick Henry. Yes, I know the Tennessee Titans lost their offensive coordinator to Atlanta, but I still feel like this team is still very good. I just don't think that Ryan Tannehill will have over four thousand yards passing. But you don't need over four thousand yards passing. You know, you don't. You just need to win your division and stuff. And I've got the Tennessee Titans being eleven six or ten and seventeen. Uh, Tavon, one thing about the Tennessee Titans last year that they did though in the NFC South, of course, uh, or sorry, the AFC South, they were eleven and five. They tied with the Indianapolis Colts in that hmm. um, division. Of course, the Colts are seen as a little bit more worser than what they are. Um, but the Titans, you know, I mean, I still, I mean, and usually in the AFC South, it is usually the Titans or the Colts that come out in this division, ninety, not, like eighty percent of the time. So, so if you had to say so, do you think that the Tennessee Titans can win the division um, this year in the AFC South, or do you think this team is actually going to win under ten games? Is Cleveland in the AFC North? 
Yes, they actually are. Very good. Oh. Well, mm, yeah, sure. Um, the Titans will win their division. Yeah. Def- definitely got to agree. You know, it, it, and, you know, there are, there are a lot of people actually out there that don't believe that Titans can win under that can win 10 games, but believe they can still win the division at 9 and 8 or 8 and 9. So that's very odd to me. Um, but, I mean, hey, that, things have happened before. So now that we've covered all the NFL, NBA, and other stuff, we are officially getting into our one-episode review of WandaVision Episode 4. Tomorrow mm-hmm. night after the NBA Finals, we will cover Episode 5. And before we get into Episode 4 tonight, we must tell you on Keeping It 200 why we have did this. Because one, it's Disney+, Plus. it's nine episodes... Go out your way to check it out. It's a 20-minute show. It's not that long. And and, and, and 10 minutes of it is just credits, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> exactly. See, and, and, this is, and this is the one thing that we're now doing. We're trying to now add in something different for people that don't like wrestling or don't like NBA or don't like a lot of things that we talk about. So, you know, this is something that we're actually doing. We're doing something that makes us happy. It's not, it's, it's not sports-related. It's just something content creating, happy, and you know I'm going to change this now to the um, WandaVision review. So I know people are going to be shocked, but I don't care. Hold on, <laughs> Wanda Vision review. All right, great. So Tavon, what did you think of episode four before we get into this? Um. It was a good episode. It basically recapped um, episode two, episodes two and three. Yeah, episodes two and three, but I mean, but in a different way. And of course, we have, of course, your future <laughs> wife, of course, Kat Dennings in there. So that's pretty much nice. <laughs> I know now she's on the last five episodes, so... So now I didn't think she was coming into episode five because I haven't seen the show in like three months. Um, of course, episode four is we interrupt this program. They recap um, everything that happened in the last episode of um, Wanda meeting Geraldine. Of course, you know, Geraldine, um, you know, of course, of course, it, you know, show Geraldine, you know, finally, you know, revealing herself as not who she is. So, of course, the opening segment is the Geraldine woman. Her name is Monica Rambo, or Monica Rambo. But here's the reason what happened. Then, of course, if you did not see the Avengers movie, where Thanos took the stones and snapped his fingers, half of the world went away. They disappeared. Because Thanos always believed perfectly balanced. So everyone did not die. They just faded away for just a while. But they faded away for three years. Three years. So it, so, so in our next Avengers movie, of course, the last one that happened, Iron Man saved the world, but everyone came back to life after the visions were – after the stones were destroyed, which was crazy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, 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 so it does explain why, what happens. And literally she's walking through this hospital and asking doctors what's going on, and doctors are literally coming back to life themselves. They they've been gone from their family for so long and everything that they don't they they don't even know what's going on, 
And it's like the world move on without like all these people. And then, they, and then when these people come back, they just want to get a phone and shit and call their wife or something. So she bumps into this one dude like in the waiting room, and this dude sells it like he got hit in the eye. I'm like, man, you did not get hit that hard. Like, do not start that BS. Do not start that. I'm not gonna allow you to be like that. Like, like this dude covered his face like he really got hit hard. <laughs> and she got pushed down and she's asking this dude to be okay. The nurse, this dude is selling like he got a concussion. <laughs> so then, of course, Monica's asking um, about her mother. This nurse ignores her. She's like, oh, we're not taking you right now. Like, like, like she's asking about her mother, you jerk. And then, her, and then she sees this doctor, that's her friend. She said, Monica, where the hell have you been? Monica said, I just took a nap for 20 minutes. She said, where's my mother? She said, your mother died. She said, no, 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 no. She said, said, you told me that the cancer went away. You told me it was easy peasy. She said, it came back. So Monica don't believe nothing of this woman. This doctor had to talk to her and say, I've been gone for two years. So that's how one of this opens. It's really a weird way that opened the show. So, of course, um, it's the S.W.O.R.D. headquarters. Man, this S.W.O.R.D. headquarters is really weird. You mean to tell me they're out in the middle of nowhere and everything like this? <laughs> <laughs> so, Monica comes in there like she's going to work again, which makes sense. If you get if you get dissolved and then come back, you've got to pay your bills. That makes sense. <laughs> yeah. Uh, not to this jackass that was at the um, reception desk. <laughs> he said, can you come over here, ma'am? She's like... Uh, I work here. She said, she said, if you worked here, your card would be working, wouldn't it? <laughs> I, was like, I said, what a dickhead. I'm like, man, you're a real dickhead, man. Like, who the hell pissed you off this morning, you asshole? So, so then Monica actually wanted to see um, director Tyler Haywood, and he said, it's acting director. So, of course, she got to see uh, the director, and she looked pissed off at this dude. And then, of course, they show you a picture of um, her mother, Maria, who's right there. And then, of course, um, the first thing she asked her um, acting director was, like, had anybody returned since they came back? She he said, no, you're the only the first one that does it. And, of course, they were talking. And he was very concerned about um, having her back because, like, no offense, she, she was gone for two years. But it's not her fault. Thanos was the one that knocked everybody away. And then, of course, uh, you know, Monica said, like, well, you were the right choice. And Tyler's like, I'm the only choice. Like, it was true. Half the world had this off. Who else is else going to be the acting director? <laughs> there was nobody else to take the acting director job. So then the first thing Tyler Haywood tells her to do is you're going to be doing some X-File mystery shit. <laughs> He's like, we got a missing reports in this report, and they need a drone to chaperone. So she has to chaperone a drone into some X-Files extraterrestrial stuff. So here's the thing about WandaVision. They don't want to say what they have to do on shows. So what they say is they make other observations. They say terrestrial missions. If you've ever watched the X-Files, you know they cover terrestrial missions and everything like that. So, of course, she flies, she's flying, and then she takes a car to Westview. So, literally, she comes in, and she meets this guy. He's talking to two policemen who have their police car that says 
East View Sheriff. <laughs> like, I'm like, okay. So this dude pulls out his card. He says, says James E. Wu, FBI. Fun fact about him, Tavon, he is actually on the Young Rock show on NBC as well. Yeah. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. So so this dude's actually getting paid good money. He works for NBC and he works for Disney. Shout out ah. to him, man. Shout out to him. He's got yeah. two jobs and two paychecks from two different companies. Mm-hmm. Um, so, of course, he says that he the reason he has to fly down here is because there was a guy in wetness protection that was in Westview, but he flew the coop. And he called friends and family, and they didn't even know that this guy was in witness protection. So then he comes down from Oakland, and then he talks to the officers, and he says, Officers, could you explain to my partner what you said? And the part, and the sheriffs are like, there's no place called Westview. And the woman says, you mean the town that's saying it right there on your sign? He said, well, we try to explain it to your buddy here. But your buddy's like hard of hearing, so <laughs> so they took an insult at him. So of course, <laughs> like the woman said, "So where are you from?" He said, "Eastview," and then they just drove away because, like, look here, we're tired of explaining ourselves, you idiots. Like, we've done told you we, there's no place called Westview, even though we see it plain and clear. We're just going to ignore it, and we're going to go back home. And that was the right thing they did. Because then Monica brings out a drone, and you know, fu- you know, fun fact: if you're gonna like fly a drone in a place, don't say sword on it or S fifty seven or any bullshit like that. Just get like an actual little drone. And James E. Wu is like a weirdo because he said, growing up, other kids had Michael Jordan posters on their wall. I had Elliot Nice. <laughs> That's like saying I got a picture. Of Gore Vidal or Al Gore on my wall. That's creepy, man. Come on, man. Keep that shit to yourself, man. That makes you look weird, man. I'm sorry. But that makes you look really weird. So, Monica flies this drone in there. And the drone disappears. So then, of course, James E. Wu tells her, don't even go in there. Because, like, can we just, like, wait for backup? And he's actually being smart about this. Because, no offense, Tavon. If you put your hand through something... And your hand comes out like a little dissolved. You should probably not touch it no more. Especially when <laughs> electricity is buzzing. And you just went missing for two years, okay? So she puts her whole hand in it. And then she goes <laughs> flying in there. So, of course, great job. Great job, Captain. Uh, you, know, you know, there's a reason why she is grounded. Because she can't follow simple instructions right now. You failed your first terrestrial missions. You failed your first <laughs> terrestrial missions. And then poor James, he gets the blame for this because here's the thing. You're an FBI agent. You just lost a captain. How do you explain that? <laughs> Dude, you know how that must have been like, hey, I just lost this woman that's been missing for two years. Could you come help me out? So, of course, what does the whole sword do? They bring out the Navy and the SWAT team and shit because they don't believe this motherfucker. They're like, this motherfucker's lying. So, 24 hours later, it's 10 minutes, 50 seconds. The greatest woman in the world finally shows up on air. <laughs> and... Tavon, you know, and, and Tavon, Tavon, just after two minutes of her being on this screen, she had more personality than anybody else, really, to me on this show. Yeah, pretty much. And, and uh, of course, Dr. Darcy Lewis, Kat Dennings, 
she says to this guy, hey, she's like, what's your field? This dude says, we're not supposed to talk to each other. <laughs> I'm like, snitch. <laughs> and then she says immediately, huh, Boy Scout leader. <laughs> <laughs> so then she says, what about you here, ma'am? And the woman just immediately answers. She says, nuclear biology. Guy says, artificial intelligence. She said, astrophysics. She said, we got this full clown car. It means whatever the threat is, S.W.O.R.D. clearly has no idea what they're dealing with. And that's very true, because you're dealing with a powerful woman. So then this dude finally wants to answer. He says, I'm a chemical engineer. She said, no one cares. <laughs> <laughs> I loved her. I loved her automatically. Because I was just like, I said, I said, I said this right here is entertaining personality. I said, where has this been on this show? So, of course, she gets out the truck. I mean, this is already a weird way to bring a woman to, like, a like a job or anything like that. Because, no offense, like, we're basically telling you, hey, look here, we lost somebody, and we're just going to throw you in this, like, boot camp, basically. Because it looks like a boot camp, essentially. It looks like a boot yeah. camp for, like, bad kids, essentially. <laughs> and this dude that, like, tells, like, He's like, he's like, Miss Lewis, she said, it's doctor. He said, your tent's over here. <laughs> and this ain't no tent. This looks like some boot camp in here. I'm like, <laughs> man, you just told this poor woman she's got to go to prison, basically. So so they keep flying damn drones in the damn building. And if you lost the first drone, why are you flying in ten more? You're just spending money. <laughs> Literally, this is government dollars at least. So then Darcy asks, can you guys see anything in there? He said, that's classified. She said, so you haven't seen anything then. <laughs> and then she becomes a smartass. So then she's getting like a bunch of CMB, which of course in layman's terms to people means it's a lot of radioactive wear that goes all the way back to the Big Bang. And then she asks this gentleman for a nice cup of coffee and he ignores her. <laughs> she never gets it. Exactly. He never gets the damn cup of coffee. <laughs> and she's got to do all this work. She has to lift up a big-ass TV off the damn thing because he won't help her either. Like, well, just... well, she technically said that she got it. <laughs> I, I, yeah, but come on, Tavon. Like, if you see a woman struggling automatically, shouldn't the nice thing to do is, like, at least say, hey, let me get the other end for you or I'm going to pick it up. And you got, I mean, a woman sure. says that shit... That's automatically some sarcasm right there, right behind it. So it's not supposed to be, like, in a good way. It's supposed to be in an insulting way. So, of course, poor Darcy has to do this by herself. And what do you think the guys are doing? You think, okay. So, so of course, she needs a TV. She needs an old one, like, not flat. And, of course, what do you think the guys are doing outside, Tavon? Oh, we're just going to send a dude right through the sewage hole. <laughs> yep. And we're going to tell him, you're going to be by yourself. We're not going to help you. If you get lost in there, we've got a radio so you can contact us. Like, and then the thing snapped. <laughs> it snapped. And even James told him, why are you sending someone down a sewer? Man, we've already lost one person today. Like, he said, we've lost one person and she hasn't even came back. Why are you doing this? <laughs> this jackass says, well, you must really be loved where you're at. Like, he, said, he said, don't they need you back in Quantico? He said, no, sir. 
softball season's over, sir. Like I'm like, <laughs> I'm like, you just let this dude bury you on this show. Like this dude isn't even that entertaining. I said, I, I said, I said, why is it on the Young Rock? You can stand up for yourself against the Rock, but you can't stand up to some dude named Tyler Haywood. That is pathetic, man. I said, come on. I got and I got this feeling here. The Rock would invite him to play softball, but this guy would get buried immediately. So of course. They go back inside, and Tyler Haywood just becomes a dick after, like, the first time you – like, the second time you meet him, he's a dickhead for some reason. He's like, will someone get me a usual visual, damn it? Like, he's just yelling at the poor women. And then there's studio laughing. And, of course, Tyler Haywood's like, what the hell is this? And then, of course, you can hear Wanda, and they're watching the first episode like you and I were. Yeah. And then and then Darcy's like interested in the show and then everybody comes over. So we got the FBI, the police and SWAT team watching TV on tax dollars. You know, you know Disney really tells you we're going to send you some fuck you messages. <laughs> <laughs> they sent us a lot of fuck you messages on this show. So of course they're watching the first episode of WandaVision and Darcy said, "You know, look, I know it's been a crazy few years on this planet, but he's dead, right? Definitely dead, right? So she, she said, <laughs> so like, they, they don't even understand. Like, so Tyler Hayes said, what the hell am I looking at? She said, he said, you, where'd this come from? Like, she said, out there. <laughs> so, so then they see Agnes on TV. They see Vision. So does this mean that they laughed at Mr. Hart where he choked on that role? Like, probably like, like no offense like like and then tyler keeps asking darcy well how do you know this is coming where do you know this is coming from she says i don't know i don't know i don't know she said i'm getting extremely high level of cmbr which of course relates back to the big bang and you've got literally radio regulation you got radiation poisoning coming to actual humans but wanda vision are literally doing an I Love Lucy Dick Van Dyke show. <clears throat> I'm like, what the hell is going on? <laughs> and then, <laughs> of course, all of them start to leave. Of course, James tells Darcy, good job. Um, and then Darcy said, can I get a decent cup of coffee now? <laughs> she still doesn't get her damn coffee. That's and insane. then, of course, and then, of course, she, and then we finally realized at the end of the first episode who was writing down stuff. It was Darcy. And mm. then she wrote – and then after the last thing she wrote down was Wanda and Vision kissing to end the show. And she said, aw. So it was a good first ending to the good episode. And then I was like, is this could be us, Darcy. If you just <laughs> answer my goddamn DMs, are you listening to the show? <laughs> if, if, if Darcy would actually just answer my DMs, then this would have been easy to do. So, of course – Spoiler alert, people. She hasn't answered my DMs. Poor Kat Dennison's. She's literally in love with some dude that she doesn't even like. Man, this is the, this this is where the next five episodes I'm going to be in my feelings. So then James starts talking about the vision of Wanda. They see Mrs. Hart saying, this guest is leaving your home. <laughs> and then they start really like looking up these actual people. And these are actual humans. And... And then, of course, and then uh, James is just writing down stuff like what we don't know, why hexagon shape. 
okay, why are you writing down hexagon shapes, you idiot? Like, why are you writing down hexagon shapes? Like, like, I'm sorry, man, but if you don't know what a hexagon is, why are you an FBI agent at this point? In all honesty. Uh, Andrew WK. Exactly. Loser. A uh, loser. <laughs> fun fact. Fun fact. She's actually been a fan of his music for years. And before that, she dated her co-host of Two Broke Girls. Not the woman, but a uh, dude that was on there. So... Oh. It's it, it's very sad. It's it's very very sad, Tavon. You know you know you you really try like with a lot, and it's just like man, they don't care. <laughs> it's it's oh. just one of those things. It's, it's but yeah, hey, Kat Bennings. I mean, I'll admit, yeah, she yeah that show, Two Broke Girls. Yeah, she was pretty much hot. <laughs> it, exactly, and 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 on this show, she has more entertaining personality than anybody to me. Like, because she's really, like, to her, like, to me, her and Agnes are, like, the most funniest people on the show. Because, literally, I just don't think these two even have a script. I think these two are just going off what they're just doing. Like, they're just going off vibes. That's And that's actually pretty cool. And then, of course, James and Darcy just see, they finally see Captain uh, Monica. And they say Monica doesn't look like she's in danger or anything. And she's not. Uh, she's reading a newspaper and stuff, but then, but they don't realize Monica's like technically like her mind is technically somewhere else. She's in a 1950 sitcom. She doesn't know she's in a 1950 sitcom because that's the whole point. Her, she doesn't have her brain with her, like everybody else does, like because they've been searching up all these people. So of course, um, of course, they, Darcy's starting to figure out how to maybe get to Wanda. Darcy's maybe like trying to figure out what's happening. They have like the picture of like this drone that Wanda touched and everything like this. They've got they've they've now trying to figure out how to get her to like now talk. Like they're trying to figure out how can they get to Wanda. So the best thing they do is like they see this radio and Darcy is communicating to James to start talking to the radio. And then he does start talking, and he's saying, Wanda, who's doing this, Wanda? And then that's where Dottie and Wanda were, like, saying, who is this? And they were confused, but then the show goes into a commercial, which is why we're always getting the commercials. So now we're understanding why we're getting the commercials and everything. And then – and so, so, that, so, that, so that's how it actually went. And then, of course – we get back to the guy that's been in the sewer. This guy's been in the sewer for at least two days now. Agreed? Because <laughs> yeah. this dude, this dude's thing broke off. He said, we have five miles, five meters outside of the perimeter. This hole is like small as hell. You know, I'm sorry, man, but Tavon, if, if I was paid to do this, this is claustrophobia. <laughs> this is claustrophobia at its worst. This dude, yep. literally, his line breaks. And everything like that. Not only does his line break, but then he's literally, he literally comes out, and I guess he's now like a bug exterminator or whatever because he has bees on him. And they bring out this thing, and they're like, "Man, we just lost another guy," and they don't even care they <laughs> lost another guy. So then, of course, the dude comes out the thing, and then we finally figure out what happened to him. He just they they just disappeared and cut to another scene as well. Yeah. Yeah, and it was actually weird because at first, the way he was staring at her, though, it did look like Thanos was coming for some reason. 
And then, of course, they have to get another TV that's not black and white. They're getting a TV now that's now in color because you have to get TVs now from a certain now generation. So now you have to get TVs from the 50s, the 60s, and the 70s, which actually does show a good thing, Tavon, because here's the thing here. You and I both don't know really what TVs looked like in the 50s, 60s, and 70s. And now we're actually like yeah. seeing what they – and now we're actually seeing what they look like. And we know what TVs looked like in the 90s and stuff, the big fat backs, the flat yeah. screens and all that. We know that, but we didn't know this here. So we got James and Darcy. Darcy's eating potato chips. And <laughs> then James is like saying, like, I can't believe Wanda and Vision had a baby. <laughs> I'm like, like you know, you're not supposed to be watching TV, right? So then, um, so then, like he said, he said, "Heck, I thought I was gonna have a little Jimmy Woo for sure. Get him a tiny little FBI badge." <laughs> Darcy doesn't give two shits about this shit. So she said, "Oh, Chip." Like he said, "Sure." And then Darcy actually gets invested into this show. I guess she's not supposed to be getting emotionally invested into this show. But but James is like looking at her like like she's like I'm emotionally invested like and I'm like I'm like you know what I'm not mad at you Darcy I'm emotionally <laughs> invested too like <laughs> so 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 now so, so and, and not to mention too I actually like baked lace too that's what made this awesome man I felt like I knew a little bit more man like I'm sorry man I'm. I'm like like that like now the next five episodes are gonna be like awesome because now I just get to talk about now I just get to five like this is actually like pretty cool like I mean I like the first three episodes but this is all that matters and then of course they didn't show how Monica got kicked out of the event uh, get kicked out of Westview because they end the show with um with literally Vision and Wanda holding the children to close the show that's it. So, of course, you're probably wondering, well, does they do they show us? Yes. The mm-hmm. last minute of this show, Wanda literally kicks this woman out with some laser beam. Now, no, technically speaking, doesn't this technically mean that she technically got burnt? Literally? No, because if you think about it, in a way, she had to go through the Big Bang to get there. And that means that she had to go through the Big Bang to get out of there. So technically speaking, we don't know what kind of actual like attack she suffered from this because because you don't know like if this does brain damage, long term damage, anything like that. Plus, Wanda threw like these like two fireballs like right at her. No offense, and mm. she went through bookshelves, branches, houses, etc. And she got kicked out right out of Westview. And this poor woman had to absorb not only getting hit by two fireballs, but then going through the Big Bang. And then, of course, we have a security breach. And then, you, and then you're like wondering how the hell did she just like do all that? So, of course, Wanda just puts the house back together and everything, like everything's back to normal. Of course, Vision comes in, and this is the first time we're actually seeing Vision where he's actually, like, dead. Because, mm. of course, in the Avengers, how did Vision die? He got his um, stone ripped out of him by Thanos. Everyone knows that. But Wanda sees Vision for the first time actually as dead. And it scared Wanda for a minute, but then Wanda did not pay any attention right after and just 
looked at Vision the same as she always did. But it was definitely a messed up scene to see. Of course, Monica comes out. And and I thought that literally we didn't know who this woman was. We thought, okay, she's like trespassing property. But literally, she literally then got attacked and everything. So then, of course, Wanda and Vision, I guess, like, they end the show basically ignoring this, like, for a little bit. But, but that's pretty much it. And then, of course, of course, like, you hear Monica tell Darcy and James that it's Wanda, it's all Wanda. And that's how the show ends for episode four. Of course, it, the show does end with Vision having his worries and his doubts. Because Vision technically wants to leave Westview, but Wanda doesn't, and Vision, I guess, is now starting to like figure out what's going on with Wanda, but but he can't put his finger on it yet. And that's it for episode four, though. Um, this is now like now this show is now going to start turning into really great stuff because now we're going to start figuring yeah. out more stuff as it gets along. Mm-hmm. And, and, and and the first episode, it, it, like it, like like you said, it's confusing. And you don't understand it, but now we're gonna finally start understanding it. So, oh, good yeah. fourth, e- good fourth episode. Of course, uh, Tavon, you and I will be going through the fifth episode, just one episode tomorrow night, and we will be covering an NBA game. So finally, we'll probably be having our shortest two hundred show back under like an hour and 30 minutes hopefully because yeah, three hour shows much. are very tough for both of you and i and everything like <laughs> <Yeah>. that <laughs> so um but definitely though um we're gonna go ahead and get into the 200 moment of the night the 200 moment of the night is sponsored by space jam 2 that comes out july 14th make sure to um check that out on hbo max and in theaters same day of course um, Space Jam stars LeBron James, Don Cheadle, uh, Anthony Davis, Diana Taurasi, Damian Lillard, Bugs Bunny, Lola Bunny, and many more. See how LeBron James um, and the um, Looney Tunes gang try to stop the AI visual that has kidnapped LeBron James' son. And we're going to go ahead and take it to our tournament moment of the night with 2 a.m. by King Vaughn from the album LeVon James. <laughs> <laughs> Vaughn 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 It's 2 a.m. We leaving the club Heard the ops outside Told folks to spin that bin Move up, did them dirty nights hot outside Fuck your homie and fuck your kid They don't never pop out and the ops don't slap Nigga, look at this tent if he wanna Alright, Tavon, 200 moment of the night Alright, so yeah, not going to lie. I probably, I did want to um, say this um, when we were um, discussing um, WandaVision episodes 2 and 3, but unfortunately I didn't. But now now I will pretty much talk about it as a 200 moment of the night. But yeah, <laughs> my 200 moment of the night is um, pretty much that talent show from WandaVision. <laughs> because it pretty much <laughs> it pretty much sums up WWE pretty much nowadays. I mean, like the the whole story of episode two. I mean, it's it's just so funny. I mean, like like Wanda and Vision. They literally they literally um <laughs> were at this talent show, 
and it and they literally made <laughs> pretty much chicken shit out of chicken it's a chicken salad <laughs> <laughs> and, and made it work meanwhile raw nowadays i mean they have they have all the they have all this shit combined in, together and it still doesn't come out good i mean wanda vision it, they had a lot of shit and it still went and it still looked good <laughs> and much better than it was so and, and yeah. you know what's actually amazing though about WandaVision though? Have you noticed that you and I both have not said like one person we've not liked on this show? Like outside of Tyler Haywood, who we don't like, but <laughs> even he's still funny. Like even the dude that was like mean to Darcy and wouldn't even get her a decent cup of coffee, he's still funny. Like even the dude like in the car that didn't even want to tell um Darcy what he was, he's funny. Like and to me it's like Everyone on this show knows their role. They know their limits. They're getting a script too, but it's like they're more funnier at their script because it's not like <laughs> it's not forced. It's not fake. It's actual life, and it's just like man, this show is like. And the show is actually way more entertaining than Monday Night Raw. We're four episodes <laughs> into the show, and I'm not. And we haven't even seen the Captain um, America stuff. We haven't seen Loki. We haven't seen any of that stuff. We're literally just starting from scratch. And, you know, this is just a Disney Plus thing. It's just not it's, – and, and it's not even like it went like a whole 20 episodes. This is nine episodes. Now, I'm pretty sure next year they'll probably do more episodes or whenever mm. they want to film again. But but this is honestly something honestly cool. You know, like right here. You know, like, like this show to me, I think it's very underrated. And I'm glad that this was actually like the very first show I ever decided to do that isn't sports or anything because this is actually something really funny and people – like, you know, and, and, and this is a Disney product too, you know, like, like people think that it's like all like PG, it's not G, it's not PG, it's, it's actually funny, it actually tells you the stuff that, you know, that we already <laughs> see in the world today, like for example, like for example, Tavon, policemen, they have computers right in their car, and they're supposed to be driving, but if you have a computer in your car and you're using it, you're gonna get a ticket, so, so it's actually the funniest shit ever. And, and I'm actually glad Tavon actually got to see why I'm in love with Kat Dennings because now he's like, damn, she actually does have personality. And then I work with this guy, Zach, and he has personality too. <laughs> well, yeah, like I've always knew. Well, see, here's the thing. The first time I saw that Kat Dennings, it was pretty much Thor. I mean, I, I pretty much thought she was decent. And then I saw the door, the dark dark world and it was like yeah i mean still pretty much the same she's decent and then i see two girls i mean i not that i was necessarily voluntarily watching it i was like watching it just oh, out of chance oh but, definitely, definitely yeah two broke girls i mean i mean i just can't help but notice but yeah cat dennings she <laughs> she pretty much got them titties yeah exactly and and to me I feel like that's like only gonna be like the show she's always known for because technically speaking, that's only the, the only show she's ever done that's ever been like more than like one season. Like WandaVision is only like nine episodes and she's only in five of them. She's in one Avengers movie, that's the Thor movie. She's you know, and that's like the and, and she's been in other movies too. I mean she's she's even been in Big Mama's house too. She's in that movie and, and no one Oh she was She oh, was, man. but but no one doesn't but no one doesn't even pay attention to that stuff because Dang. like and you, you know, and like, but it's 
you know, I, I feel like that's how certain people will be, like, remembered for certain things. Like, you know, like, to this day, people still talk about that. All of her gifts are all from that show. It's it's very, very weird. Like, because, like, but 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 you know what? But you know what, though? You got to start doing more, though. You got to start doing more as – and she's been – and she's also been on an episode of Robot Chicken. She's also even been on that. So, <laughs> so like, and it's, it's, like, it's like it's very weird. You don't, you don't notice these things. But but hopefully she does start. Hopefully this Wandavision stuff actually starts getting her some more roles where she's actually on more TV shows and more movies and everything like that because she actually does deserve to be on more TV shows and movies. Um, my two hundred moment of the night is actually going to go to McDonald's. You know why? They've got Space Jam stuff there. <laughs> yeah, I just saw a commercial. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's that's the only reason why I'm giving that credit. It'll probably be the last time I ever do this on the show, like give McDonald's fucking credit because I've worked there. I can tell you the funniest shit stories I've ever dealt with there. I can tell you how I've even fucked up customers' food there. I know there's like someone actually looking at this shit like, this motherfucker fucked up my food. Yeah, motherfucker, I fucked up your food there. I don't give a shit. <laughs> Fuck you. <laughs> this is my show anyway. And then the dickhead left. The dickhead left and I said that to him. <laughs> oh, man. Oh, man. I can't wait! I can't wait till someone watches this back and says, "Who the fuck was he yelling at like that?" Like, but actually though, um, they got the. And I will say this here though, uh, I actually got some toys and stuff from there. So I've actually got huh. like a whole roll of stickers now of Space Jam, and I've got two Space Jam toys. I need the other six. So, um, <laughs> wish me luck. I'm actually going to actually like see if there's actually some more people that actually. Do have the LeBron James one at least maybe in their store, and maybe they do. Um, but definitely though, I've got now Space Jam stuff now, so I'm definitely more interested in seeing Space Jam too. I'm really hyped for that. I've seen the first Space Jam, and to tell you the truth, I was never a fan of the movie. I never <laughs> was a fan of the first. Space well, Jam I mean, movie. I like the first Space Jam, but yeah, we we could pretty much keep it a buck on this one. <laughs> I mean, Michael. Jordan, I mean, he did his best with it, but still, it was one of those things where most people say he couldn't act. <laughs> exactly, and and then, and and then I was also last night um, watching um, the NBA Finals with a bunch of people. I was watching it like fifteen different people. I'm gonna actually get their names because I actually do have all their names. Um, believe it or not, and, and before someone says, "Why you got all the names of all these weird people?" <laughs> well, I, I, that's because we were talking about other stuff throughout the whole game. Because no offense, the Suns were winning in the second half. Like the Suns <laughs> at the end of the third quarter, were like up by like twenty. So we just started talking about some shit. So I was watching this with Kevin, Jody, Howard, Sammy, Bryce. Um, and I was also watching it with nine other people as well. Um, watching it with uh, Tyreek. Uh, watching it with um, uh, who else was I watching it with? Yeah. Why did I scroll down on this man? I, I was like screen recorded in this locker room, and I didn't even like. But anyway, so I was talking to like a whole bunch of people. Uh, talked to Liam, Ben, um, and, and and also Stephen Griffin. And Alex, I roasted the hell out of Alex last night. Tavon, he <laughs> said bread forms was different. I said, stop eating grim flakes. <laughs> and, then, and then we also had another moment where this guy came in king. Tavon, I hope King comes on one of these shows one day. It's going to have to be on a show that we don't talk about wrestling because he's not a wrestling guy. 
But if we just talk about NBA or just WandaVision, and we just talk about nothing but Cat Dennings things, King is this this dude was going in this dude King is like forty years old. He was going in on this guy Steven for being fourteen, okay? <laughs> Steven was lying to us saying that he gets eighty dollars a week in allowance for cleaning up the kitchen. Which Tavon, <laughs> you and I both know a fourteen-year-old's not getting eighty dollars a week to clean a kitchen. You and I both. Nah, know. no way. No, we we both know this. We both grow up in houses where our parents have made good money and made bad money, but they've never given us eighty dollars, maybe ten dollars, maybe, maybe. But here's the thing: here, King said, "Yo, can I come over to your mom's crib?" He said, "Can I get a load in your mom's crib?" He said, "This is what he says." He said. Can I eat your snacks? Like, <laughs> this dude just started going in on him. I was like, oh, my God. And here's the thing, Tavon. There's actually a song called Can I by Blue Bucks Clan where they actually ask all this stuff in the beginning of the song. And he actually copied all that shit. And he said he was going to clap his mom's cheeks and tell his new chef. This guy seemed like, I'm 14. Stop talking about my mom. And then you know what they named the green room right after? Uncut hours. We're cutting into everything. I'm like, damn, like, we're really going to go in on Steven's mom the entire night, huh? So, so, of course, I try to change the subject and I try to say, hey, King, what does Steven need to do to get a girlfriend? You know what he said? He said, well, first thing you need to do, Steven, is he said, don't be afraid to put your nose in there. I'm like, God damn, <laughs> <laughs> Fun fact, people. If we give you advice, we're not like don't take our advice seriously. But King was serious about his fucking advice. King was telling him this game is not sold separately. We're giving you advice. He told him go buy some Air Force Ones. <laughs> he told him he said he said you don't need to be doing no more track and field. He said you need to go play basketball. He said and then and then this way he and then when Stephen got bad because Stephen got bad at him and I don't blame Stephen. Stephen's a fourteen year old kid and I don't blame him for this. But here's the thing. Steven said, why do you keep talking about my mom? Why do you keep talking about this? This way he said, this is what King said, and he got all quiet. He said, because I know in school you be making your mama jokes and stuff, but you don't like when someone else does about your mama. <laughs> No one else in the group. Everybody else in the group started laughing, and he put himself on mute for five minutes. So, um, and then fun fact, we kicked him off the damn group because he wouldn't go to bed at two a.m. So, and he didn't have school the next day. So, um, to Stephen, I, I I'm sorry that you had to go through that with King, but at the same time, though, King was funniestly hilarious. You know what he reminded me of, Tavon? He reminded me of 2001. Stone Cold with just Vince McMahon segments. Ah. <laughs> That's how funny King was. King would have made you been laughing so hard that you <laughs> would have been pissing on yourself because he was making me laugh, dude. I was spitting out water. I was up till two in the morning listening to this guy just go in on this dude's problem. Like, and the poor guy. And, and I really do feel bad for Steven because he is cause he is fourteen, and and then you got a seventeen year old defending him in the damn chat, but the damn seventeen year old is like not getting any love neither because I'm roasting the shit out of him for eating bread like. So, so, so it was funny as hell. I definitely enjoyed watching the game last night with a whole bunch of people because it actually was a very good, different experience. And I actually met a lot of new people and everything like that. And I was going to go on their podcast tonight, but I have a podcast scheduled with you. 
Um, I got one scheduled tomorrow, and finally tomorrow is actually going to be like an actually light episode because we ain't gotten much news. We we cover all the wrestling this week, which is actually really good. Um, and now and now we're actually now in a rhythm where actually we can now cover wrestling now, and that's a really good thing. So, of course, though we're going to go ahead and end this show on. Um, we're going to close the song with "Run It Up," Little TJ featuring Offset and Moneybag Yo. Niggas broke cold, they be on that funny stuff. Richard Money, my wrist be on. I done gained way too far, I can fuck it up. I got niggas that die by that gang gang. Let be honest, you fuck with us. Hair in the walking side, I be clutching up. All the haters, man, they got enough of us. Run it up, 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 run it up. I just stay out that money, I run it up. Give a fuck about who love me, I run it up. What the fuck they gon' tell me my money, I run it up, run it up, run it up. And we will be back tomorrow for episode 40 of Keeping It 200. Tavon, we're only now 10 episodes away from the 50th ever. Yeah. Can you believe that? I, mm-hmm. I can't believe that, man. We're fi- we're almost now in the 50th episode. we got to definitely do something big for the 50th episode. So I'm definitely <laughs> yeah. going to be thinking of some bright things to do. But anyway, so shout out to everybody. Shout out to Space Jam for covering Keeping It 200 tonight. Shout out to the beautiful Kat Denningsons for being on WandaVision finally, so that way we can talk about how much I'm in love with her and I'm going to marry her. And shout out <laughs> to little TJ and Offset Moneybag Yo for closing this show tonight. Tavon, make sure to get yourself a good night's sleep. We will be back All right, after the game four, uh, game two of the NBA Finals. Have a good night, Tavon. Peace. Peace out. Peace out.